0: and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 44 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In the penultimate of our six Metal Gear 25th Anniversary specials, we arrive at the Central America of the 1970s for 2010's Metal Gear Solid, Peace Walker. Was attempting to follow up 2008's epic conclusion of Guns of the Patriots with a handheld title of Fool's Errand, and does the game work on home consoles as part of the HD collection? Strap yourselves in, for this is likely to be another long one. Joining me, Leon Cox, and this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello, James Carter. Hello, and Paul, the Silky Tart Rooney from Red. Hi, Up. guys. <laughs> and highly camp. He gets a little <laughs> bit camper with each uh, issue he comes on. We'll see what he's like come the end of Metal Gear Solid Four. A flamboyant diva, indeed. Yes. Uh, so. The first thing I wanted to talk about on this show is a game that most of us here haven't played, but uh, I felt we ought to cover it off, as it were, because it is canon and it fits in between, uh, canonically, between Metal Gear Solid 3 and Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, and that is uh, Portable Ops. I think, am I right in thinking, Paul, you're the only person here who's played that?
1: I have, yeah. I I really enjoyed the game, actually, but it was so long ago now that I, I can vaguely remember the story.
0: Yeah, so it, it involves a lot of the same characters as three, I know. But beyond that, does it? Uh, what uh, are there any sort of key major events that we need to know about for going into Peace Walker?
1: To, to go into Peace Walker, not not hugely, no. I wouldn't say so. It, it kind of stands on its own, but it, it was su- such surprising quality for a handheld that it, it is deemed canon. You know, it is, it is certainly exactly. part of the universe. But
0: I personally found it stood alone quite well. Because we would have done it if it was part of the HD collection. And mm-hmm. given that Peace Walker is, why is it not part of the HD collection?
2: Mm. Well, there's a bigger question there. I mean, the the big question that most people ask about the HD collection is why was Metal Gear Solid not part of that collection? And I think there True. are there are reasons, multiple, uh, in, in terms of Solid. It was because porting it would be much more difficult than for yeah. the other games and also... Uh, therefore, the question is why not just include a code for the PSN version? But you can't do that on 360, so it puts disparity yeah. in the version. Didn't so.
3: I read that Peace Walker was a new engine that they designed for the PSP quite late in the day. Possibly that's the reason it could have been ported to mm. the PS3 and, and Portable Ops wasn't. It was a completely different design. Yeah. It certainly looks on.
2: wildly different, Portable Ops, yeah. from. Does it? Well, from what I've seen. The
3: the thing to note for Portable Ops, it's set between 3 and Peace Walker, isn't it? So there is a little bit of story to be had. Um,
0: Exactly. Set in 1970. So six years after 3 and four years before Peace Walker. But Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to trust uh, Paul, with apologies to Portable Ops fans. But the the simple reason that it's not part of our 25th anniversary celebrations is because not enough of us have PSPs for it it to. uh, for it to have been worthwhile, um, and there was Portable Ops Plus as well, wasn't that? Was that more multiplayer focused? Or yeah, or
2: I actually looked something? into this because I nearly came a cropper, and and Tony was uh, we were talking yeah, about this right. the other night, nearly did as well. I think I assumed Portable Ops Plus would be uh, effectively a collector's edition, limited edition, or no, it's not additional it? it's a version release, of the yeah. game, but it's not; it's a standalone expansion. Is how they confusingly, term it. confusingly that's yeah. that's very multiplayer focused. Yeah, hmm. so yeah. Both yes. available on the PSN for Vita, so yes, if you don't um, have a PSP available, you can actually still access that. Yeah, that's,
3: that's going to be weird playing a, a game like that without using a, sen- a second analog stick, just using the yeah. way it was meant
0: to be played. I guess. But well, you can. I'm sure you can become accustomed to yeah. it. I guess they're they're quite cheap now, aren't they? PSP games to download, I think uh,
2: seven pounds, I think six maybe. seven pounds, both yeah. of
0: them. Yeah, yeah cool. There. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the only canonic uh, game in a series we're not covering. Um, we had a request from a, a very infused um, gentleman on the blog to cover the Acid games, but again, problem is lack of PSPs, and also we don't want to test the patience of non-Metal Gear fans <laughs> any further than we already have. And how also how canon is Acid,
4: though? It's no, not, it's not,
2: not at not, all. So it's,
3: just, it's more card-based. I mean, no. yeah, what you universe, see when,
2: when the PSP came out is you see um, Konami and Kojima trying to find what anyway, the, the best yeah. way to put Metal Gear Solid or the Metal Gear uh, franchise onto the PSP is. So it started with the digital graphic novel and and the, mm. um, the ACID games being related but not in gameplay terms. I mean, they're card games, essentially. Um, and then, obviously, Portable Ops is a step in the direction of what eventually is Peace Walker, which is, well, we'll get onto it, but it's uh, incredibly similar to to the full Metal Gear Solid games you would have played on consoles.
0: The other game that we, or one other notable game that we haven't covered that we did mention in the Metal Gear one and two show all those months ago was Ghost Babel, AKA Metal Gear Solid, just called Metal Gear Solid on the Game Boy Color. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Japanese version is called Metal Gear Ghost Babel. And that is non-canon. Um, But it is worth remembering that it is the highest rated, critically, Metal Gear game of them all. Um, It was extraordinarily well received. And uh, Jay and I, Jay who's editing this show, um, were looking earlier as to availability. And currently there is one copy on eBay and it's going for $70. So um, not an easy or cheap cheap. game to get hold of, but uh, classic Metal Gear, albeit non-canon. Anyway. Paul, Paul, would you recommend?
3: We're not covering portable ops. Would you recommend picking it up for seven pounds and seeing what it is? I mean, at this at this stage, I've played them all now. So,
1: if you've played them all, definitely. If you've not played Peace Walker, then no, I would go straight to to Peace Walker because I think it does everything that the portable ops is trying to do. It just does it so much better. You know, especially when in the individual maps and in recruiting staff members. I mean, remember in, in uh, portable ops, you had to literally carry. the the staff member you wanted to recruit. You had to literally (laughs) carry it back to the truck.
2: No Fulton. No no Fulton.
1: Sometimes realism
2: just isn't all it's cracked up to be, is it?
1: No. I I, I actually I fairly enjoyed it, and I did it for ages, but Peace Walker is just so much better. And, of
0: course, Peace Walker is uh, more widely available in that you can get it on uh, Xbox 360 and PS3. Interestingly... uh, it probably wouldn't come as a massive surprise to say that our Metal Gear Solid shows, um, despite their length, have been our most popular shows in terms of downloads over the, the last however many months we've been doing them. But interestingly, for this show, we've had very little in the way of mm. um, listener feedback. We've managed to uh, get one three-word review. No forum posts other than somebody saying they haven't, they couldn't get into it Um regular correspondent, Andy Kurosaki. Thanks for trying, but uh, (laughs) uh, you may, you may listen to the show and reconsider because I think generally it's going to be a fairly positive show. Um, But yeah, so I guess uh, Peace Walker, I don't know how many units it sold. I don't have those figures to hand, but uh, I'm guessing that it's another game that we're covering that could be called under uh, appreciated and underplayed.
3: Let me ask you the question, like why did neither us, apart from Paul here, but why did neither three of us play that? I mean, we had, Vitas at some point, all of us. I'm going
0: to assume. Vitas, I didn't PSPs. I,
3: I didn't I, have PSP. Since I had a PSP,
2: but yeah, I didn't at the time this came out. By that point, I'd got rid of mine. So yeah, yeah. It
0: almost tempted me to get another one, as mm. as have many things, but it, ultimately it didn't. And I was well, the weird thing is, I was very pleased when I saw it was coming on this collection, but mm-hmm. I kind of always thought that it would be, it would be the last one of the three I would play, uh, which. is the case um and it would probably be you know just like seven or eight hours of oh quickly rattle through that that funny little (laughs) handheld metal gear that uh kojima knocked out in 2010 it turns out my game clock is currently at some 36 hours yeah which is the most i of any metal (laughs) game uh, metal gear game i've
3: played
2: several of them put together in fact
0: yeah. yeah,
3: I'm at 32. I mean, there's many reasons for that, and it's not just story-based, but um, that's what no. the show's about. But what I will say is my... Where I learnt about this game is um, that Kojima was actually very focal um, when talking about this game because this was essentially has been the last Metal Gear game that was made. And at some stage, they were hyping it as this is going to be Metal Gear 5, uh, but, you know, shrunk down onto the portable. And, you know, there was lots of chess beating from Kojima himself saying this is what I wanted to do. This contains lots of elements many Respects it doesn't quite live up to that hype for sure. Um, but the second one was Paul here. Mm-hmm. I remember him going on and on about this game on Twitter about how he was grouping up with random people that he'd, you know he'd never met before. Or he didn't have a friends list of people, he was just you know playing with people on ad hoc. Was it ad hoc or through the Sony?
0: Yeah, ad hoc party. Yeah, yeah ad hoc part was this is back in 2010. Yeah, this is
3: back. Yeah, and I was, I was viewing him from afar going. Oh, maybe it's as an interesting game I, but it still wasn't enough for me to pick it up i got rid of my psp at that point but i think
0: cuz it was really well reviewed but i think that although I, there was definitely part of me thinking oh i wish i had a psp so i could pick this up i don't i you know, I, I i'm pretty sure i've been following um paul on twitter since at least 2010 but um i guess i th- i would have thought as regards to the review scores and People like Paul getting excited. I would have been thinking, "Well, he's into his you know, Metal Gear. He's into his Metal Gear. A <laughs> bit of a Last hurrah, Loves his Sony hardware. Like, is it really that good? Can it be that mm-hmm. good?" And I, I, to be honest, even by you know, even when I was ordering the HD collection, which you know I really love to own, I was it really felt like an afterthought, Peace Walker, to me. Not not, not as in their their inclusion of it, as in me buying it. Right. Yeah. I think the problem would be in Europe and the states. Would be the hardware. It would be the PSP. On its and I out. think people
1: think of Metal Gear Solid as being a huge production values. You know those massive games, mm-hmm. and the PSP thing together with the the fact that the hardware wasn't particularly popular in in the West, mm. and you know it being a stripped down version. I don't think people understood that it was such a big game like, as in content wise. Yeah. So in the thing with me on Twitter is if I change my avatar to Snake, then you know I am prone to hyperbole, but again when I first got it, I was like, wow, this is this is special. I, I just even, couldn't believe how 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 big it was essentially.
3: I yep. would say that from my point of view, I didn't really understand how canon it was to the story arc of, of the Metal Gear franchise. I kinda of felt like oh, I was just gonna you know, it's a somewhat of a spin off. Like it doesn't how how well it, will it fit into the series and you know, we tried to answer that and as we go for the story again, but you know, the answer is very well. Actually is, you know, quite deep canon in there if you're looking for something after Metal Gear free to bridge that gap. So.
0: so let's get into it then. Who would like to take a run
2: at the key points of the synopsis? Um it, it's generally key points are, are relatively straightforward because mm-hmm. coming into this game, anyone who knows the series and obviously anyone who's followed us through um, we'll have a grasp of where things stand at the end of uh, 3, Snake Eater, um, with what's happened to uh, Naked Snake uh, becoming Big Boss and where things need to get to, whether we're going to say by the time you get to Metal Gear in the 90s in terms of the the chronology of the actual series, not when the game was released, yeah, um, or Metal Gear Solid for those people who that's where they see the start of this this series being. Many people's entry mm-hmm. point, doesn't yeah. it? Um, so it, it's relatively straightforward because uh, essentially uh, Naked Snake killed the boss at the end of Snake Eater. Um, I don't think we need to say spoilers here, uh, having already covered this, but um, we'll dive right into it anyway. Um, and Naked Snake was christened Big Boss, took the situation uh, and and what the those in charge in, in America, in the government and in the military, had, had put him and the boss through rather badly. Um, and we then join him 10 years later dealing with what he's done and what that death means to him um, and, and branching yeah. away from nation state and getting towards the point we see him in, in Metal Gear where he has created this entire uh, standalone state Separate to all the various countries and nation states in the world, uh, the idea of it being, as it's named, an outer heaven, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a haven, if you like, for soldiers who are disenfranchised with being the tools of uh, politicians whose whims change with the wind, you know um,
1: Well, that was later that's at the, that's throughout the game, and at the end of the game, before mm-hmm. that, he is stationed with he creates the, the Militaire son frontier. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and then they go on to create Outer, Outer Heaven, which then stood for, you know, uh, being a separate entity, you know, uh, integral to the, the war economy, being being free of ideologies and ethos and whatnot. But at the time, they were basically uh, seen as quote-unquote dogs for hire. You know, they were... Mercenaries. A military, mercenaries, yeah, yeah. A, a group of militaries. Uh, mercenaries, sorry, who were for hire, essentially. And then the game kicks off with uh, Galvez who is uh, I always got to say Sokolov I don't know why it is <laughs> um, Zadornov. he is known he becomes known as Zadornov throughout the game but then he's introduced as Galvez who introduces Paz as well who is a 16 year old uh, blonde young blonde thing with the red trench coat which is obviously a, a Film fans will always see that anyone wearing red is is danger, but we'll probably come to that later on.
4: Well,
0: we were also talking. Yeah, uh, there's two things about that. It's there's a sort of double bluff going on because uh, James pointed out that it's a reference to Nick Rogue's "Don't Look Now," but and I Don't also Look now. think That's it's, exactly it, yeah. it's also a reference, possibly to Schindler's List, um, in that uh, the girl in that is, represents all the all the Jewish children. You know, the innocent. <laughs> the, the oh, of course, yeah. Girl. Yeah. she's the only the only bit of colour in the in the main part of the film is is her red coat so
3: so before we get on to some of the the story that drives from this it, it's fair to say that snake himself or boss big boss i guess at, that at this point is very cautious about which battles he's picking because you know he doesn't want to pick size they they you know they don't want to be a member of any of these states they just want to be this this guy in the middle that sorts out these circumstances. And, you know, no pressures being put on from you know being part of the Americas or any other part of the world.
0: Plus, uh, plus Snake is effectively a fugitive from the mm-hmm. CIA in Colombia. Well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Galvez, Galvez um, basically gives him that commission
1: at the very opening of the game to essentially side with the KGB, mm-hmm. which would then make Snake an enemy of the American, the American government.
3: Yeah. But yeah, so he's originally hesitant about taking this job because obviously it's siding with a, a country. So, um, but the thing that passes, pushes him over the line, which
0: uh, as um yeah. plays recording of. It sounds like, course, yes, yeah. the boss, uh, it's uh, verified as having the same voice pattern as the boss who Snake himself killed in a field uh, 10 years earlier uh, in a, in a sea of flowers and saw her spirit sort of. Drift away mm. somehow, yeah. um and there's also uh, a song playing in the background, which identifies the time, and that song is uh "Sing," as performed by the Carpenters. But it's a song originally; it's a song from Sesame Street, but the the hit version <laughs> was in by the Carpenters in 1973.
3: So, because of her death, still resonates hugely with Snake. He still has massive issues about this. Uh, what he has had to do, and he still hasn't really come to terms with it. Um, he agrees because you know that's too much of a hook for him not to. Uh, so off he goes on his first mission.
2: The, the backdrop politically to this is obviously the Cuban missile crisis has, has happened, um, and the US are looking to get a foothold in Central America that will give them influence over that part of the world. Um, and Costa Rica at the time um, were introduced to it as a, a, a country without an army. They don't believe in war. They don't believe in having an army. That's and right. they are the I'm wa- oh, sorry
1: the KGB yeah. are wanting that foothold as well
2: yeah so so the KGB present uh the CIA's activities in Costa Rica as a real threat to this nation and Paz represents the people of Costa Rica who are under under threat um and and Galvez asks Snake to stop the KGB from or to investigate what the KG, what the CIA sorry are doing um on behalf of the KGB who Maybe the slightly lesser of two evils if Snake's going to get into bed with either one of these sides.
1: And he's given like a helicopter. Oh no, he's promised a helicopter from the government, the KGB, right? Uh, but there's be uh, they will and an oil rig. Yeah, and and the uh, the beginnings of Outer Heaven. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, they will pro- be providing funding unofficially from the the KGB.
3: Yeah. So basically, yeah, he has a base of operations which they don't have other than just being this wandering unit, then they'll have a base yeah. of operations themselves.
1: Because yeah. the, the peace sentinels have, they, he's seen them basically and said they're far too organised to be guerrillas. They're obviously CIA-funded or Americans, essentially, mm-hmm. and that's that's why he's going to come over to seek yeah. snakes, help to, to rid uh, Costa Rica of the, the peace sentinels, the the Lasaya as
0: they call it, the CIA. mm mm-hmm. Uh, so it becomes uh, known a few days later that, or suspected, that there are nukes in the area?
2: Spears, yeah, they refer to them as, yeah. Spears,
0: yeah. Uh, obviously, one of the, the main themes, again, in this game is nuclear power, mm-hmm. particularly the focus on deterrence and mutually assured destruction.
1: Snake notices that, and if I think it's the first or second mission, probably the second one, um, would he... Uh, notices all the staff are an overabundance of radiation. Uh, what they called again? Not like radiation guys.
2: badges, it's tags, yeah, yeah where yeah, it, the, it measures the exposure to radiation. Yeah,
1: uh-huh, That's what makes them make that leap as to the, the presence of Nukes, because otherwise yeah. they wouldn't have those. But, and, he, and
2: he overhears on the radio them talking about Spears, which both he and we haven't yet mentioned, uh, his second-in-command in, in military Son Frontier is... Um, Kazuhira Miller. Kazuhiro Miller. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say McDonald Miller, but um that's, that's from a, a different canon g- issue. Yeah. yeah.
1: He adopts that name later on apparently.
0: Mm. Yeah, so he's a half half American half Japanese uh second in command to Snake. Uh his first name also means peace just like Paz's and he's voiced by Robin Atkindow. Atkindowns of uh No More No More Heroes fame. Uh oh, where's right. Paz is voiced by Tara Strong, who is one of the most uh, ubiquitous voice, female voice actors in the world, um, mm-hmm. having done everything from major parts in The Power of Puff Girls to uh, Silent Hill 3, and virtually every game you can think of ever. So yes, and then he uh, gets involved with some Sandinistas in uh, Nicaraguan uh, nationalists for some reason. Uh, I can't quite remember why, though.
1: Doesn't he recruit their help the, of the Sandinistas uh, to rid Cuba, Cuba, Costa Rica, of the um, CIA, the Peace Sentinels? He He's suggested that he recruits the help of the Sandinistas what? and thus is introduced to Cecile.
3: Ultimately, he's moving through their territory. Um, so, uh, you know, because they're having war themselves, he gets caught up in that. And then they have valuable information which may lead to a furthering of his mission. That's kind of how he gets all caught up within that. Mm.
1: Sorry, it wasn't Cecilia,
0: it was it? was Amanda. Amanda, that's right.
2: Yeah. Amanda and her younger brother Chico, who are kind of left in charge of this group of this this militia, the Sandinistas, after their leaders being killed, and the the dead. conflict that they're involved in has brought them into uh, sort of head to head with the CIA, which obviously may, means that they and Snake have a common enemy um, or a common concern now that they mm-hmm. now that they think nuclear weapons are involved.
1: Interestingly the the factory that they've got is a, a drug factory I said, drug distillation is that redistribution drug mm-hmm. dis- distilling is the word I'm looking for, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it brings brings up a, a fairly difficult situation because essentially they're using to to fund their rebel their guerrilla, their revolution, um they are essentially using money from drugs from America for drug supplying
4: or... mm-hmm, yeah. poisoning
1: Co- the the American public basically with drugs which brings out a, a huge moral issue.
2: Mm. Well, that's um, it's very much a, a real-life issue as well, obviously, because for a, a long time, uh, countries in Central America have been uh, sort of kept pushed down by their more rich neighbours or by one another. And the way that they have found is is the, the produce they have from their countries often is uh, drugs that inevitably are shipped straight up to America. Um, There's a lot
0: of talk of... Um uh, other you know local products such as coffee and mate mm. um, and snuff but um, I don't think they specific. I mean obviously snuff is is a narcotic but I don't do they specifically refer to cocaine or anything I don't think so just drugs yeah, yeah. yeah. Drugs. no
1: they refer to it in the mission but snake mentions the the cocaine Okay. And she refers to it as, as being, because her father was the, the head of the organize, of the Sandinistas and he was involved in the drug trade. Mm. That's what funded the whole thing, basically. He died and then, or was killed, I can't remember. And then she basically inherited that, but she had a lot of moral issues with it. I think throughout the progress of the game, they, they vowed to get away from that.
3: Well, why is there Snake can't help himself but to you know in, inspire the the army or is it Amanda?
0: The, they the think head. he's Che Guevara, don't they, some of them? Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of parallels drawn to, to mm. Che
1: Guevara. They mention him quite a lot, actually, and she sees him as, as being El Che. It's, it's not really about, a no. fair
0: comparison because Che had a an ideal and a, a an mission, whereas Snake is a mercenary.
1: Although well, they actually go into that as well. They, they, she compares him to Che and he, Snake's obviously a huge fan of Che Guevara. He calls him yeah. like the ultimate man and they, they actually quote uh, satra as well, and mm-hmm. calling him. He has um, satra referred to Che Guevara as being the centu- the ultimate man, the um yeah, the, like cel- the century's ultimate human being, essentially, That's saying it, that he yeah. was completely selfless and 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 thorough to the cause and whatnot. And there's, mm-hmm. there's questions about whether that his inability, Che uh, Guevara's inability to go back into society once his cause or his initial mm-hmm. cause, should I say, was resolved. Uh, quote-unquote, he then moves back into Bolivia and, and is killed. So it's quite similar to Snake in that he couldn't mm. But anyway, what you were saying about the cause is that's right, Snake mentions that. Mm. He says, I'm nothing, I'm not even in the same realm as him. He's saying Che uh, Guevara had, he was a warrior, but he was a a, rev- a, a true revolutionary. Yeah. He says, I'm just a warrior. So he makes and, that abundantly uh,
0: clear. And while Metal Gear, in, in traditional fashion, while Metal Gear is being sort of uh, highbrow and having having its basis in real world it, it it really does that the game opens and sort of almost closes with quotes from Immanuel Kant and um and there's lots of you know there's lots of sort of philosophical debate but at the same time there's uh, the usual you know giant robots and people with uh, metal hands and and also a problem a slight problem I have and I don't know if anyone else felt this that huge amounts of the um the cast, both in their uh, cameo pictures and their um, all the cutscenes in this, we haven't said are, are presented like an animated graphic novel, basically, um, don't look like they're from anywhere near Central or South America. There's so much, you know, fair skin, blonde hair, blue eyes going on, um, particularly Paz. She's um, yeah, positively but- alien, isn't she? Yeah, uh, yeah, which doesn't really make any sense. I'm not saying there are no you know, fair-haired, blue-eyed people in that part of the world, but those are not the predominant. But they have absolutely zero traits of of human of features from that region
1: exactly. at all, why, from why hair, that? eye colour, facial structure, everything. It's,
3: it's preposterous, but, really. But he does lean on the accents quite a lot. Yeah, that, to mean, get the characters who do,
0: across. Who, yeah, but why? Why not just make them look like they're Central or South American? Oh, I agree. You know, yeah, is some, some extremely you know beautiful. If it, you can still have, even if he insists, on whether it's Kojima or um, is it Shinkawa the art? Your Shinkawa, yeah. Yeah, wh- whoever it is who's making these aesthetic decisions, even if you still want to have nearly all your characters as traditionally beautiful, you could have had them looking beautiful in that lovely, you know, mm. Hispanic way. he could have, and he sh- in my opinion, he should have. I, 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 I agree, mean, totally agree. I and mean, we actually got a lot of
1: problems with this game. We'll cover probably all mm. of them, Um but that is definitely one of them. Amanda, mm. uh, Amanda, um, I think as a model, she looks she looks great and all that, but they
0: don't have. They're not. They're not of that region.
3: Be southern no. Europe. Just yeah. It's just.
0: And yeah, it actually sort of displaces you from, you know, puts you out. Forget, makes you forget where you're supposed to be. I think.
1: Yeah, it's is, it is quite. It's definitely jarring. And then Cécile as well, who is obviously a Parisienne, blonde mm. hair, blue eyes. Mm. Um, Kaz as well, blonde hair, blue eyes, but he's obviously um, a, a Japanese stroke American, and he's ha- uh, he's like half Japanese, you know, and he's basically looks like Aryan, you know. He's he's yeah, yeah. There's
0: the very slightest hint of uh, of eastern asian oh, um, I, I didn't see any but i think there are. is and he also is wearing sunglasses the whole time which i think mask <laughs> so but you know there's there's this whole thing about the japanese and their uh even their characters that are meant to look japanese often have very big blue eyes and and you know there's there's all sorts of uh theories about that it's to do with aspiration you know japanese not Necessarily liking themselves and aspiring to a Western look. And yeah, that's like that.
3: that's quite often in video games, isn't it? Though, because you, yeah, you get games, exactly. even james with mm-hmm. huge, huge Japanese themes uh, running through that You know, the, the antagonists or protagonists quite often are just you know what seemed Western-looking yeah. characters. But like I say, I think he they tend to then use the the voice acting as the crutch of well, these are you know Hispanic or whatever they may be uh, to get that across and. Mm-hmm. i don't know some i know paul in particular you you actually are quite a fan of the voice acting and i think the the dialogue is the normal kind of questionable dialogue that we've we've seen in, in some of the medical gear games but I, I think i'm about halfway house i think sometimes it's a bit over the top because he relies on it so heavily and sometimes it's spot on
0: it's very it's very variable like the other games there are moments you know that the, there is a lot of voice acting in this game and uh, a lot of the cast members are people we've heard from before um some some scenes it's it's well written and well performed. Other scenes, I think. Well, I think Paul's right. I think he said uh, that he thinks it, the you know the actual commitment to the to the cut mm. from the voice cast the Western voice cast. Obviously, we can't talk about the Japanese one because that's not what we've played it in. Uh, is very good, but the the lines they get given and you know the quality of the of the script kind of fluctuates quite a lot. Um, Sometimes the jokes work, sometimes they don't, sometimes the serious stuff works, and sometimes the serious stuff ends up being funny. Um, But there's a lot. There are reams and reams and reams of lines in this, not just in the story, but also in the acres of uh, briefing uh, data that you can go into and listen to on cassette outside of the missions. Hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. of it. And for a PSP
3: game, which is what, point. Something. 6 gigs yeah. I think we were yeah, off the top of my
2: head it's 1. 1.6 1. 1.8 gigabytes on a UMD um, something like that obviously, it's
3: extraordinary obviously there's concessions towards many of the cutscenes in uh, uh, animated, which we should really get onto in a second but um so there's concessions with that but yeah the, the fact there is so much voice uh, dialogue in here is it actually caught me off by surprise I thought there's was going to be a lot more text
0: so let's uh, see if we can move along with the plot so uh, once Snake has hooked up with the Sandinitas this is the first time we see a uh, 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 any kind of um, aggressive mech, and it's a flying thing, and it's singing, and it tries to capture people.
1: The chrysalis, wasn't it? And it's got, a, it's got like a, a bunch of satellites that are kidnappers that it releases and takes back in, essentially. And they go out and, and do the kidnapping, and one of them takes uh, Chico, right? Or is Chico, it, Amanda's yeah. mm-hmm. younger Chico brother, yeah. And, and tries to take Amanda. Amanda then. Uh, cuts herself loose and
3: breaks so, the leg. So it's kind of War of the Worlds-like, isn't it? Harvesting the, the populace around him. Although, you yeah, know, not going to drain their blood, but, you yeah, know, they're using them for uh, prison duties, essentially. Or yeah. Do we labor.
0: know, do we know who, who these machines are working for at this point?
2: No, we know they're tied into, possibly tied into what's happening with the CIA. because yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At this point, Snake's tracking CIA trucks uh, that are moving what he thinks are nuclear missiles up further into the, the cloud forest. The whole thing's set in uh, cloud forests for the most part. Uh,
0: so then a little diversion comes where uh, Snake <clears throat> goes to get Chico. I guess we don't need to go into that in too much depth. He does well, that.
3: Other, other than Chico then gives him the destination of where he needs to be going to actually well, find the yeah.
4: yeah, which is this, fairly important.
2: Although <laughs> this is the point at which you start realising that um, Snake and Militaire Sans Frontier have been given this oil rig and they're setting up a base there. And Chico is one of the first characters you meet that you Mm. recruit onto your base in order to keep him safe. He's a young, uh, young man, probably sort of mid, mid teenage boy. Uh, But he is obviously a a Sandinista. He, he's not, you know, unfamiliar with war and, and the, that side of things. Um, And so uh, snake recruits him along with uh, Amanda Um, and several other people that he's met and you start to realise some of the other stuff that's going on in the game where you start to see Snake building his army up from this sort of group of mercenaries to a pretty formidable force over the course of the game.
0: Uh, So on your way to where you think the nukes are, you fight a tank, one of many, many boss battles. Uh, We'll talk about those when we talk about the actual game. A base hidden in a crater, very James Bond, is uh, where the, the, the nuke stuff is. And uh, you come across your next two characters, Huey Emmerich, who, of course, we recognize straight away and is um, played by the same voice actor, Chris Randolph, as all the, uh, the Emmerichs, um, Otacon, and the preposterously named CIA uh, Central American chief, Hot Coldman. <laughs> Hot short for, uh, I don't know what, Uh, maybe it's just a nickname, I'm not sure. Uh, So Huey is, Huey Emmerich is of course uh, a nuclear and technical whiz. We've heard about him from, uh, in Metal Gear Solid 2, when Otacon was wow, wow, wowing all about his cursed life and his cursed ancestry.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, even as far back as Metal Gear Solid One, he mentions that his grandfather was involved in the Manhattan Project yeah. and regretted it, and, and his father was involved. In, <laughs> in, you know, in in the Cold War. It's and a good regretted it. Though. Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's worth saying that the character looks almost identical to. He's yeah. um, got wilder hair. To, yeah, to, to my,
3: my wife came in and said, "What what's Hal doing in here?" Yeah, it's um, got seventies hair, and I said, "No, look, you can tell he's not Hal because he's in a wheelchair." You
0: know? Yes, <laughs> and uh, uh, I was actually listening to uh, our. Friends uh, over at GameBurst, they were uh, they did an excellent discussion recently, a podcast about uh, minorities in gaming, and one mm-hmm. of the things they discussed was uh, the disabled, and they were talking about, of course, Joker from uh, Mass Effect. I was confused for a while because I, I thought they were talking about the Joker, and I was thinking. His disability isn't that much of a thing, is it? It's facial scars and facial potentially scars.
2: some mental yeah. issues. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> some. Uh, <laughs> some. But, a couple. But, and I, but as as I was listening to that show, I was thinking, ah, but I've just seen another character in a wheelchair, but it, it's really um, barely dealt with at all. Apart yeah. from one of the first times you see him, uh, Hot Coleman shoves him down the stairs, which is pretty brutal, I thought.
2: Yeah, m- much like his, uh, his son and his father, I'm talking about Huey here, um, yeah. he finds himself in in the grasps of some rather uh, duplicitous military uh, types, shall we call them. Uh, in this case, CIA chief who's been exiled from America for, I don't think they ever really uncover what he's done, but he's, he's shoving wheelchair users downstairs. Well, yeah, he's clearly uh, got dis- found himself in displeasure with uh, the CIA main branch and been exiled to Central America, and he's trying to, make his name so that he can be uh, welcomed back into the fold. When when will
3: these scientists ever learn that creating the ultimate weapon won't solve
2: world peace? (laughs) Seriously. So yeah, we find out that Huey's done much the same as Hal did and he is, is creating a nuclear deterrent, uh, in the form of an AI controlled bipedal tank, which immediately sends flag up for snake and us having played, uh, uh, three snake eater. Um, and and that it turns out that Hot Coldman actually has some rather nefarious uh, plan in in mind for um, for this creation, and Huey takes exception and gets shoved down the stairs for it.
0: This AI pod is um, sort of flits between uh, different vehicles. It keeps jetting off. So if you defeat it in one mm-hmm. vehicle, the AI pod flies off to become part of another vehicle. Is it? That, that oh, yep. I be, don't think so, because yeah. you're taking out the, the different AI.
1: Inside the pod, you take yeah. out the AI chips, and they're all different for every single one. So I think mm. I
0: thought it in, in
2: my mind. They're different it was, incarnations, yeah. I yeah. The, but
0: when you when you pods. all right there when becomes you, less chips, it? Yeah, but when you take down the first uh, boss, which is pupa, pupa, which is yeah, the the first boss that that you're about to fight here, uh, it has the AI pod. But then at the end of that fight, even after you've ripped its guts out which you later find are a resource for yourself the pod launches and flies away you you Uh,
2: do make a point because whenever you we'll talk about this in the boss fight but whenever you go into the pod there are the majority of those um uh ai modules you cannot rip out so probably what's happening is you're tearing out the active ones and it Mm. then reactivates because we'll talk about at the end the ai's ability to reconfigure itself so maybe um, that's what's happening. Maybe it's because it's they're all named;
1: the they all get the same name. As in, in the pupa battle, every single AI chip is called PU, that's and then tr- that's true. Five one. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I don't think it's actually explained right now. I never even thought about it. In my mind, it was just well, it flew off, and it was just a big, massive base. Of the amount of times that I've killed the bosses, it was just. Hundreds of them scattered about. Yeah, well, I I think, mm. yeah,
3: if you go to that stream, then maybe not if you kind of break the storyline as in playing multiple story Mm -hmm. segments over and over again. But I was with Leon. I I always assumed that that pod was the same pod that went through (laughs) and as it went further, because by the, you know, we are in the boss battle with Territory, but by by the time you get to the, the final one, there's very little choice of which... Chips you can take. You're down to like the the final few, you know, three or and four. And this
0: is already, you know, one of the weird gameplay elements but- that we're going to struggle to explain later on. Which <laughs> is the fact that when you finish a boss boss fight, um, you go into the boss and pull its circuit boards out, and later they become something you you make your own toy with, so- which is unusual.
3: So, what is the theory of this nuclear deterrent in here? And it seems like every Metal Gear game has its theory of how to solve the, you know the world or you know, the peace the peace, peace deterrent of the world. Um, so what is the theory here? Because it, this resonates pretty much throughout the rest of the game uh, and changes once or twice, yeah. but the, the basic theory is?
0: So the, the idea, it takes mutually assured destruction out of human hands because it has the cold, unthinking logic of AI mm-hmm. to push the button if necessary.
2: Yeah, Humans, the, the hypothesis do. for... for Mutually assured destruction being a deterrent is that if one country decides to launch nuclear weapons at another that also is a nuclear power, um, it would risk that victim country, if you like, the the targeted country, sending its nuclear weapons back and both countries would destroy one another. So therefore, country number one, let's call them, well, for the sake of argument, it's the Cold War, so America and the States, America, would, uh, America and uh, Russia, America would never fire on Russia because of the threat that Russia would return fire Mm -hmm. and cause as much damage to America. Um, The problem with that is that there's a a supposition that Hot Coldman prescribes to that humans would always have empathy and and uh, a reluctance to push that button as retaliation. So if one strike is already occurring. Satellites are showing, radars showing that uh, nuclear missiles are heading towards the United States. The person who actually had to make that call and push the button to respond in retaliation, in mutually assured uh, destruction, may hesitate and may not press the button. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that deterrent is imperfect because an aggressor could play on the fact that there's a good chance the other country would not respond and they may be able to attack So their response is they
3: they've created a a, an AI logic which is once fired upon, fire back. So there is no human emotions attached. Thus, if you both had those deterrents, then neither one would launch a nuclear missile. Well, if if, if
2: that deterrent existed on its own anywhere in the world uh, for either country, you know, if if America Mm -hmm. had one of these weapons, um, that would mean that and they let the world know about this weapon, then any other country, be it at this stage, uh, China, Russia, the UK, France, and India, or the other nuclear powers, um, would never fire because they knew mm. end of world that the, the retaliation would come because mm-hmm. the AI controlled it, not a human being.
1: And I think with Peace Walker, the idea is it can travel into countries that don't have nuclear power, that don't have mm. nuclear weapons. So I think in, essentially is trying to sell it to uh, countries, essentially, almost like, you know, like mass produce them, mm-hmm. and so it can travel, base literally walk into yeah. into countries, thus creating peace. As in, doesn't doesn't need walker.
3: complex launch pads or anything. It mm-hmm. it just is what it is. There's
1: there's a problem I I really couldn't understand for the life of me, and that is in creating. I don't know if you want to go into this just now, but in c- creating the AI, the AI <clears throat> Doctor Strangelove... It basically, recreates the boss from Metal Gear Solid Three, and mm. as an AI. But th- th- in my mind, that would then create a, a, essentially a human being in charge, and a human being stroke AI, thus removing yeah. the, the 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 premise that it's not a human that's in charge of yeah. of the, making the retaliatory well, strike. It is a human because it's the boss. It's, yeah, the
2: idea mm. is that that she, that um, Doctor Strange Love. Was tasked with making this AI that would be perfect. Um, instead of doing that, what Doctor Strangelove did was think of the most rational and therefore most machine-like, if you like, most logically mm-hmm. driven human mind. Um, and because of the boss's uh, decisions in Snake Eater, that too Doctor Strangelove has demonstrated that the boss would always make the right call mm-hmm. based upon the information at hand. She needed. She needed
1: information from Snake as to what happened in that instance, as to why she allowed herself to be killed, because yeah. that was that. That was maybe a gap in her knowledge of creating the AI. Yeah, right.
2: That, okay, that's get, the idea. I yeah. get it
1: now, but I think I, I actually do think it's a bit of a story. Uh, it, loophole, it definitely is. Yeah, mm. I, I'm
2: just saying as as the game presents it, it's yes. not necessarily uh, water, water tight, I don't think.
1: I've not I even mean, explained who Strange Love is yet. No.
4: Nice. It's, it,
3: it's an interesting way to bring, um, ultimately, you know, Big Boss or the Boss um, from Metal Gear um, into this game. Absolutely. Even through the weirdest of you know, circuitry chips and, and stuff like that, there there seems to be a presence of her in amongst this new AI that has been developed. I mean, this plays into the story of why Snake is here in the first place cause, because ultimately he needs answers about what happened in that final battle mm-hmm. on the uh, the end of Metal Gear Three.
2: It's probably worthwhile seeing that. Um, Like in several of the other games, and certainly like uh, Hal Emmerich in Metal Gear Solid, Huey Emmerich uh, is is an expert in robotics and nuclear technology, and therefore Mm -hmm. is perfectly uh, perfectly um, the perfect person rather to uh, be the creator of this Peace Walker um, that or Hot Coldman that he wants to create. Um, But what they also need is an AI expert who can create an AI that will respond. We'll be able to take in all the information from around the world as to what's going on, and be able to respond to that information, and therefore be this perfect deterrent. That's that's uh, separated from from human emotion and yeah. human uh, weakness, if you like. And ultimately,
3: um, Strange Love decides that the boss is that person. Yeah. Um, so so Doctor becomes... Strange
2: Love is um, is the the woman who is the AI expert who's been brought in, and uh, Huey pines after her quite a bit. Um, same way
1: as she pines after the boss, because she's obviously mm-hmm. a lesbian. Yes.
2: yes.
0: Yes, if you listen to Strangelove's tapes uh, in the briefing as I did today, there's uh, there's a lot of lusting going on ever since uh, the boss's mission into space. Absolutely. Where, See, the thing you said, lusting there, that, that's something I actually really liked about this, because um, Strangelove
1: and Huey and the boss all kind of were aware of each other and knew each other. I think they've all worked together. Huey worked mm. with Strangelove and Strangelove worked with the boss back at NASA. Would that be correct? And I think yeah. I think that's the case. And basically mm. she fell in love with her, not in lust. She was very much, she was basically her biggest fan. She was yeah. basically in awe, exactly. She she saw her as being this perfect human being, this, this mm. intellectual um, masterpiece of a human being. And she was basically in absolute love with her. She was just so different to
3: everyone else she'd mm. ever known. So, so creating this AI, I think you know, that her original reason was because she is the most rational. But by the time that the AI is finally complete, she's gone completely hand over head, kind of, in not in love, well maybe, but um, so, she yeah. she becomes fascinated with her in in a way which is out of control. So basically, she yeah. creates an AI in itself, which is, in some respects, boss.
4: Mm-hmm. She's,
3: yeah. Bizarre, but you know, uh, it's, I, and there's never this explained whether it's a, a thinking AI. I mean, there there is.
0: I mean, well, there's the two right at the end. Two AI pods, aren't there? The mammal mm-hmm. pod and the, the reptile pod. Reptile pod and the reptile uh, pods are one of the lower lower brain
1: functions, as in reptiles would have.
0: That's and right. And the mammal and is evolution. the decision maker.
1: Yeah, that's evolution, as in what human beings have come to say: Cerebra, cerebellum, cerebrum. Yeah,
4: yes. and, uh, yeah. and there's cerebrum. a whole.
0: There's a whole thing about how, um, if again, if you go into the, the backstory, the briefing and stuff, that uh, at some point uh, the boss was shot in the head and lost a lot of brain function, but her, over a six-month period, her brain did that thing, which which can happen, which is where other parts of the brain take up the functions of the damaged
2: yeah, part. Yeah, it's compensation is, is the best word for it.
0: And, uh, yeah, later that's these AIs become so advanced and so like... The boss that uh, they start to S- do these things themselves.
3: So, so what is the answer that um, Strange Love is looking for? The, the end of the death that we, we have committed ourselves from Metal Gear Solid 3, of course, but what is the, the missing link which he thinks hasn't been concluded by what we played?
1: It was the same as what Snake wants to know why she'd affected and the boss's kind of last will.
4: They wanted yeah, to know at, what that at was. At the end
2: of um, Snake Eater, um, it appears that the boss has, it has defected and that she turned her back on the United States in favor of working with, um, well, it's not really Russia, is it? It's um, Colonel Volgan. Agree. Colonel, Colonel Volgan, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but uh, towards the end of the game, Eva actually reveals that um, the boss did not defect. She mm. was instructed to carry this mission out uh, by the united states and make this sacrifice by letting herself be killed um in order to restore balance to the um to the, to the cold war essentially between um the us and russia but
3: then, but then snake knows that exactly snake this is another problem that, that i yeah.
2: have and we talked about this didn't we paul yeah. um, that S- snake knows that but i i think what they're trying to put across here is that snake because he can't deal with the fact that he has killed her um, and that she sacrificed herself and therefore he killed her almost for nothing or at the behest of the US who just wanted um, you know, her to make that sacrifice, he can't deal with what he's done and therefore he he's almost kidding himself. He's almost trying to convince himself that actually she did defect and he's choosing which story to believe. And uh, Dr. Strangelove's big problem is that she doesn't know for sure. She suspects that the boss did not defect, but she doesn't know for sure. And she, that's why she de- so desperately wants to meet Snake and speak to him about it and try and get to the bottom of it, get to the truth.
3: Isn't some of it that um, he still hasn't necessarily become the big boss himself, although he's been given the, the, the title of big boss by the US mm. government at that point. He still feels like there's some sort of hangover, that she still is the true boss. Um and that he, he still necessarily hasn't proved himself, which is weird because at the very end of Metal Gear Solid Three, it's it was clear in my mind that he you know he had taken upon that mantle that yes he was the big boss now and there could only be mm. one. But I think just because she instructed him to do the killing, you know, she basically laid down her arms in the end. Um, yeah, that he he can't get over that, or and so
2: yeah, I think what's very telling and that we haven't discussed is that um when snake's introduced in this game he's um there's a tutorial which is the first time i think in a metal gear game we've had a tutorial that's as um sort of straightforward as this one is it's very much a tutorial uh, snake arrives on a motorbike and um on his chest we see he has got a scar that very much resembles the scar that uh, the boss had on her um torso her scar was from having to bear a child on the battlefield, having to have a caesarean section on the battlefield during World War II. Um And uh, Snake seems to have get, perhaps given himself or got uh, put this scar on himself, probably is, is what I assumed, uh, as a tribute to her. Um, and it's part and parcel of him still not being able to get over the fact that she's gone in his role in that.
3: It, it's a common issue with all Metal Gear Solid games, or Metal Gear games, I should say, um that if you haven't played the previous iterations, then <laughs> how much of the story? Because we, I mean, essentially, we've talked about this this huge you know, story arc of the boss and the big boss. If you haven't played three, none of this would probably make much sense. Or you can mm. pick it up from uh, individual other titles such as four, etc. But for this being a PSP game, it, let's say it, it went deeper with the story than I expected, end. A lot of people have very, very strong reactions to the end of Metal Gear Solid 3. Um, And that's where that story ends to them. And actually, having played this now, there's some really interesting ideas and theories that are thrown from what this game talks about that because he's had a long, you know, Kojima himself has had a long time to kind of work out what this story means now. And thus, wrapping up with 4, he can go back and, and tinker with this stuff. So I think if you are a fan of 3, there is some really interesting stuff to be had here about the boss's relationship with everything within the Metal Gear uh, saga.
0: Yeah, I think it's, yeah. without spoiling our summary at the end, I think anyone who is a fan of Metal Gear and who hasn't played this, they need to rectify that fairly swiftly.
3: We kind of might as well finish up the story segment and then move on to...
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Huey suggests, I think, at this point, that um, to combat uh, the Peace Walker, that uh, uh, Milit- Militaires Sans Frontières <laughs> should build their own, <laughs> own bipedal mech. Right? To, uh, yeah. to help take out the Peace Walker, basically. It's not actually what comes to pass, though, is it?
2: Well, the suggestion is that the military Sans Frontier, if they are going to set up Outer Haven and become their own state, they will need their own deterrent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he, having made the mistakes he made with, with Peace Walker, he feels like this is the right thing to do, is, is to effectively make the same mistake for the opposite side of this conflict. Um, He's very much, he's very much trying to, to hope that two wrongs do in fact make a right, Mm. I guess.
3: It it always seems to me like Miller was the one, you know, pulling the strings in this, He keeps like, yeah, we'll we'll do this. We'll do this. And the snake's just like, yeah, sure.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's funny that Kaz is probably my favorite character in this game because he's actually the businessman. He Mm -hmm. could be see him Mm -hmm. as kind of like Drebin maybe in, in four, but, um, he he does it all for business, you know, the, the whole, in fact, at the end, it turns about that um, he kind of knew all of the events were going to, not exactly transpire. how they would transpire, yeah. but he he knew that uh, Galvez and Paz weren't who they were purporting to be, you know, and it was basically, he says, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have what we have now, we wouldn't have a mother base, this obvious massive operation, they've kind of funded it, so... It can be it can all basically be tied back to him. He's the one who orchestrates the whole bloody thing.
3: That's very true. What I will say is amongst all this stuff, because we're we're heading towards the end of actually the story stuff, the the interesting stuff, what you actually do do through a lot of the game is fight um you know, I'd say bosses, but they're almost like mini bosses leading up to some some of the tools. So there's a lot there's story segments which we have actually talked about a lot of the stuff with the boss and, and the reason of this AI and who this is. Um and you fight
0: five different versions of bosses. Um, um, yeah, cocoon, pupa, uh, chrysalis, and so two. you've
2: got the, the initially the the three. There's um, essentially two tanks, or although one of them is an amphibian craft and the other one's a regular tank and an airborne that we've referred to uh, chrysalis. Um mm-hmm. those are unmanned um, AI-controlled uh, vehicles, but they are all controlled by the reptile um, AI uh, module. So they're controlled by a, a sort of basic uh, level of brain function. Aggressive sort of a, lower a, a pri- brain. Primeval <laughs> aggressive, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, the idea being that they are being built, or they have been built, to protect Peace Walker during its building um, w- in which this um, mammal AI module will be incorporated to give it this thinking, uh, reasoning ability, if you like. Um so yeah, we've had those three boss battles and the, the other boss battles in between are all with uh, armoured vehicles and tanks yeah. and helicopters. So that, that's more a about pretty those significant... When it comes to
0: the actual gameplay because they become yeah. more relevant then in a way. But they're, they're yeah, the yeah, dramatic absolutely. points that
3: continue, yeah. for, you know, push you throughout the story uh, as yeah. much as the, the rest of the story you've talked about.
0: Yeah, true. Uh, at this point, Snake bumps into uh, a woman f- from France claiming to be an ornithologist uh, it turns out that she's the cecile she's the one who made the tape that is in uh is with them already um f- via boss yeah yep yeah. uh
4: she's
0: known to Paz uh well Paz claims pa- to
2: know her but Paz claims right. that her and Cecile work well he doesn't name Cecile but claims mm. that, that they were captured uh, when they were out in the cloud forest uh, bird watching and recording bird sounds um, uh-huh. because of what they overheard on this tape. That's the impetus for Snake to be involved in the first place. Um, and and when he meets Cecile, um, she says she's an ornithologist. She um, she actually tells him about a particular bird call at one point that will lead him to find... Oh, that's right, yes. Uh, Find a key card that he needs.
3: I like the fact that Snake always lies to everybody he meets that he's actually a bird watcher and doesn't know the third thing, <laughs> first thing about birds. And every time they call him out because you know they yeah. live in the forest.
2: And and at this point, um, Snake actually asks Cecile uh, about Paz, and Cecile says she doesn't know anything about Paz. Um, but uh, Miller puts that Snake has this conversation with Miller, and Miller puts that down to some unknown factor that they're not going to be able to solve. But the important thing at this point and What's driving Snake forward is that he needs to stop them creating the Peace Walker. At this point, Snake is for for about the second half of the game. Snake is chasing down the Peace Walker. Uh, you actually deal with the the three unmanned um, bosses relatively sort of early on, kind of by the sort mm-hmm. of yeah by midway through. There's there's well ostensibly four chapters and a prologue although it's actually five um mm-hmm. and by sort of midway through chapter 3 you've seen and defeated each of the unmanned uh AI bosses yeah that's right and it's just it's snake hunting down um peace walker uh and and it has fled across the border into it is Nicaragua at that mm. point isn't it it's gone to so snake has to follow it essentially and that kind of is the sort of the run into the the first ending of the game um, which sees Snake, well, first of all, captured and tortured. I think we, we oh, haven't yes. actually there's covered a, that,
0: yes. have we? There's a traditional uh, trapped in a cell torture scene, um, which in co-op um, is a bit is, weird. Is a bit weird and quite different <laughs> because one of you has to survive while the other one's sneaking out, sneaking about, and there's a little meta puzzle where you have to look in a mirror to remember that you've got a saw strapped into your flesh somewhere.
1: We actually played that level twice in a row. Interestingly, because I was the one who was At the beginning of the the, the torture um, chapter mission. Um, one player, as you said, one player is, is seeing the cutscene. However, the other yes. player is just put straight in a cell.
0: That's right. And
1: yeah, um, yeah as you said, you, you take the jigsaw, which is a, a saw blade essentially, out of the S that you've got on your chest of the of the, the, the scar essentially. That's right. Yeah. You've got it hidden in there, which is just nuts. But whatever. <laughs> um, at that point in co-op, it's a different. It's different from single player, but in co-op, mm. as what I did was I escaped that cell by using the jigsaw, um, took out the first guard, mm-hmm. went into a room and found the Fulton recovery. Yep, I lifted up that guard so he wouldn't wake up because you've got no means of of knocking him out properly. He's only stunned. Yeah, you can also at that point while he's being while he's watching the cutscene before the rapid triangle press, which, which mm-hmm. you do to survive, you actually find a room. And the room is basically filled with computers. Yeah. If you if you go up to one and press triangle, um, you're you basically you're presented with a series of four buttons. On the right hand side, you've got a decreased voltage. Oh. Which <laughs> pertains to the person your co-op buddy who's I being tortured. I knew there tortured. was a
0: bloody reason for that room, but I didn't work that out. Right. We, it.
1: I only worked out at the at the end of the foot, which is why we played it twice That's because I had to in, yeah. actually do that because um, the pressing the triangle is ridiculously difficult. Um, I failed it numerous times
2: well, I didn't yeah, find it Paul's, Paul's sparing my blushes here I'd failed it a couple of times in a row and it was only on the third time I actually made it through and Paul said no, we're going to have to do this again at which point I nearly fell off my seat because <laughs> I, I he didn't want to tell anything. me exactly what he'd found he wanted to, to let me see through the <laughs> gameplay um, so I, which I was which in was the room that...
1: while you were being tortured <laughs> <laughs> but there's also the funniest thing that actually made me laugh was there's the ability to decrease the voltage, but there's also mm. the ability to increase the voltage. <laughs> Make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> and then and the, other, the other two buttons are uh, release prisoner, release restraints on the prisoner, thus essentially uh, circumventing the whole prison of triangle, the whole cutscene, um, the whole torture scenario. Oh. And there's also another button to unlock his jail cell. I did unlock wonder about cell. busting
0: the other guy out, but I, I see in the end, Tony and I, we haven't actually said that uh, Tony and i played most of this game in co and We haven't even uh, mentioned the you, and, at all, really, have we? <laughs> well, no, we haven't got to the gameplay yet, but yeah. um, Paul and James played most of the game in co together, mm-hmm. although Paul's obviously played it before, and yeah. a lot of solo play as well. But, um, yeah, and, and also just, you know, the, the Easter eggs in this game, there are
2: just Many tons of
1: and mm-hmm. tons. So, so, so uh, just an f- unfathomable amount of yeah. different stuff. Yeah. During
2: this um, torture scene, from the perspective of the uh, tortured, um, mm. what happens is when, uh, when uh, Paul press to uh, unlock my restraints, the power actually goes out. Um, and <laughs> you hear in the background, uh, Dr. Strangelove, who is torturing you with two electric, uh, very high, highly uh, charged electric cattle prods. It's essentially. A bit like the
0: start of Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So um, the power goes out on that and, sh- and she uh, voices that, you, you know, you, you learn that because she's saying so. And then you are uh, prematurely tossed back into your cell, spared, <laughs> Uh, pretty much a full couple of rounds of being tortured and having to hammer on that uh, button, which obviously you wouldn't be able to in single player, which is quite ingenious. Yeah,
1: I'd never done that before. I actually thought that level was single player only. Mm. Um, but funnily, when uh, your co-op buddy when he doesn't get to when he dies essentially on a torture chamber Mm. in the torture chamber, you hear a massive scream in your your in your own game (laughs) as well.
3: It's really bizarre you can even hear the electricity going off once you're in the cell so even when the person is you know bashing the the triangle yeah. button or whatever it may be the Y button on the 360 pad you can actually hear the electricity pumping through and you
0: can see their health bar yeah i think yeah. cuz the weird thing was because at first I, th- I was thought that level was a bit shit because it meant that I, basically because I had to do some seriously stealthy play with no weapons, which I don't enjoy, um, but in the end, by the time we worked it out, we did both survive our, our yeah. own separate tortures and uh, bust each other out and yeah, I found the, the Fulton recovery, which we'll talk about as well, we haven't explained <laughs> what that is yet. Um, people may know, I assume it is based on some kind of real technology. Uh, it is, yeah, people, it is, anyone yeah. who's
2: seen The Dark Knight will know it. Batman,
0: yeah. He, he, oh, he, oh, right, that's what he, oh, okay yeah. and they actually
2: uh, they actually uh in that refer to it as something that the c i a tested uh um, right. back in the seventies, i think so yeah
0: of course yeah he, he goes off in that plane doesn't he mm-hmm. in, yeah, in the Dark yeah. Night. Yeah, yeah yeah um and uh yeah, we worked it out in the end and and actually it was a really excellent level, um yeah, but yeah. yes, that's more gameplay stuff, so let's yeah. uh let's crack on with the story
2: we're essentially at the point where we're um Peace Walker and Dr. Strangelove and Hot Coldman, uh, Q Laughter, have have gone to Nicaragua uh, to start their plan, Um, hopefully in the knowledge that Snake won't be able to stop them, which obviously it's the player's job to do.
1: And they then go on to release false information to the Americans that they are will be in receipt of a, a nuclear blast.
2: Yeah, so what happens is um, Snake gets to the AI pod and tries to start taking it apart, but Dr. Strangelove recognises the odd AI behaviour and and therefore they are able to uh, determine that Snake has arrived and, and essentially trap him. At that point, the Sandinistas arrive and, and the, the army that you've been creating in a separate part of the game, well, it's not separate, (laughs) but we'll talk about it separately, Um, arrive and basically save snakes behind. Um, And at at this point, the full story comes out, which is that basically the KGB and the CIA essentially were working together, or at least the two representatives we've seen of them were working together. Um, And uh, Dr. Strangelove is complicit in this. What Hot Coleman wants to do is he wants to uh create using by by uploading to this ai that they've created in peacewalker false data they want to trick it into launching a strike in order to prove its uh, its effectiveness um and they're going to essentially send it from country to country through central america demonstrating what it can do to the world so that america and the cia will be able to point at that and say this is what we have this is our perfect deterrent uh, and that's hot Coleman's ticket back into the fold in the CIA is, is the long and the short of his side. Um, however, um, I'm forgetting his proper name. Is that Zadarov? Zadornov. Thank you. The doorknob. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every time I heard that, I thought the doorknob. And that's exactly heard, what I thought it? as well. Um, he has other ideas. He had been uh, going along with this on the basis that it is a solution to the Cold War. Um, but it turns out that he's double crossing um, Hot Coldman, and uh, in true Metal Gear style, he uh, he shoots Hot Coldman and plans a launch of his own missiles, but on a different target. He wants to target Cuba on the basis that Cuba is still considered an ally of Russia. And if it's done from an American base that they're on at the moment in Central America, it will be seen as an aggression by America, and Russia mm-hmm. will be able to point at the Americans and turn the rest of the world against them think that's pretty much the long and the short of the political motivations. The upshot is that um Peace Walker has false information um that it is broadcasting to America.
3: Snake manages to stop the actual nuke itself from being fired, so yeah. it disables that that yeah. component of it. So they think it's it's story over because you managed to stop the deterrent. But in fact there was false a or false information put yeah. into it, which still um
2: it means that the the um the, the the military and um intelligence services in america all believe that russia is targeting american cities with nukes mm. and That's they are fifty the, nukes yeah yeah a lot of nukes and they've got a proper red screen with with uh, dotted <laughs> lines coming across it to show where the nukes are going to hit um and therefore the game comes down to this decision that we've talked about do these American uh, politicians and and military persons uh, have what it takes to press that button when they believe they are under attack? Um, at this point, Snake actually contacts them and tries to reason with them based on who he is. Um, that he he's telling them it's a fake, it's fake information, and not yeah. to fire in in the hope that to stave off. Uh, he convinces war. one of them, yeah, uh, the chief
0: in command, the yeah. main guy, but the rest of the guys are like fuck this uh we're going to launch anyway. Yeah. It,
3: it is it it is quite a funny look at the human psyche which is one guy like okay we can't do this because think of the innocent people that are just caught up in this and then the rest and it's almost like look at America and laugh and I'm sure it's just look at you know what human beings are like but it's just like the guy goes sod that if we're going to die they're going to die too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> Several <laughs> times it comes down to that. Yeah. It's yeah. quite quite funny yeah. really. It's, it's very a much to- a,
1: the decision to press a button for nuclear to launch a nuke would be the president. And then if he's not there, it would default to the vice president, both of which mm-hmm. are absent. And the Salt mm. two talks, which is why it all corresponds to that timing. So it comes down to uh, a bunch of dudes, basically.
2: And and several times it, it almost has fittingly Dr. Strange love esque uh, mm-hmm. sort of comedy value of these people just completely devoid of any rational thought whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanting there was indeed to push
0: fighting ab- in the war room.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's very much a scene in a war room around the table where the president should be but isn't um and just the the comic effect of of these people trying to um reason as to why they should basically destroy the world.
3: So Snake manages to buy some time by ringing them up and saying, "Look, okay, this this is where is that this is what happened in this meeting room which uh, only the chief knows." So it could convince them, yes, he was indeed the boss or big boss to big them. Big boss, yeah. Um, but also these, these nukes were apparently still coming over the border. So they were still very much gung-ho about pressing a button. Mm-hmm. So they needed somehow to shut down this device, even though uh, they've tried every way and it seems that
0: that wasn't going to be a possibility. But then... This is the point where... Weirdly, something happens. The AI um, brain heals itself, as it were, um, yeah. because uh, reptile... Self, no, mammal self replicates into reptile. Uh, no, um, no, other way around. Reptile, other way around. so yep.
2: mammal is is the boss AI, if you like. Uh, the recreation right. of the boss's boss AI. Mm-hmm. Snake manages or it shuts itself down, actually, doesn't it?
3: Well, it, it needs basically the, what they decide it needs to be putting into the lake because the pressure of the lake will actually destroy the pod itself, uh, which bullets can't.
2: But, yeah. but at this point, it uh. The the mammal AI has been shut down, but what happens is the lizard AI, the primeval side, actually reconfigures Mm -hmm. itself, and it compensates for the lack of the mammal AI. Takes on sort of lovey-dovey hippie qualities,
0: starts singing (laughs) Carpenter's songs, uh, butterflies go everywhere, and it walks into the sea for a a sort of uh, epic death.
2: Well, actually, what what the reptile AI is trying to do is carry out the last... Wish of the mammalian, which it considers to be to continue this false signal being sent, and it's when the mammalian actually resurrects itself that the boss takes over and she marches herself, sacrificing herself again, as it were, so it's into, into that the lake.
3: The boss's decision in Era Gear Three was her decision still all along, and that she, if given the chance, she will repeat it again. Well, she, she, w-
2: she would sacrifice herself for mm. the greater good, as it were.
3: And mm-hmm. which uh big boss um snake decides that um isn't this the point he still decides that this is a weak decision from her that she ultimately still gives up um essentially, and he's now going to carry the mantle uh, and not actually follow the same mistake that he believes she committed and that's the good, that's the end, right.
0: Well, that is, that is the end, that then,
3: that then then pushes into many of the other uh, Metal Gear games or Metal Gear Solid games that we see then forthcoming from that. Because who is Big Boss, and how's you know how does he go from uh, ultimately from Metal Gear Solid Three the good guy and turns out to be somewhat
0: yeah morally. it's kind of crucial <laughs> as to what happens in that, that that takes up to the end of chapter four. But
3: I was the reason I bring this up is because this has always been a missing link for me in in following the Metal Gear series is how did Big Boss essentially turn into this this person that we see throughout the rest of the series like it, it's it, when i played free it was an odd transition from this guy that you know ultimately i had great respect for but time is it four?
0: but the crucial things yeah. happen in chapter 5 as in although nothing happens in chapter 5 and in in a way until the very end the it's it's entirely deliberate that at the end of uh, you get a credits roll at the end of chapter 4 you've saved the world from nukes and blah 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 and at the end the screen turns yellow and it's all you know kind of peaceful and that but after what happens in chapter 5 at the end that's that's what's mm-hmm. turned big boss from being just you know big boss by a name to actually the big boss who sets up outer heaven and uh and becomes the antagonist in metal gear 1 in 1987
2: so so the situation at the end of four of chapter 4 sorry i should say is mhm Essentially, Snake and Miller have have resolved the issue. Um, the Peace Walker is sunk at the bottom of a lake, and the pressure down there will keep it keep it down. Um, the the U.S. and Russia are, are the the Cold War is is maintained, um, and military frontier now have outer heaven to call their base and can and can move on from that. Um, what you also have is that at this stage. Um, Zadornov has has shown himself to be who he is and he is now your prisoner. Um mm-hmm. has because she was Zadornoff's student. Um he claimed to be a professor originally. Um, she has now lost her place at the the school she was at and lost you know, she has nowhere to live. So she comes back with all the other refugees and and uh, other uh soldiers onto Outer Heaven to work in the kitchen. To, to work in the kitchen. <laughs> like a good little girl. <laughs> and so Whilst you, as Snake, are continuing to to see uh, MSF grow and flourish through some of the other uh, missions mm-hmm. you can do, which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure um, Zadorov escapes six times, maybe seven, <laughs> which beggars belief yeah. in honesty. But he the, does. The plot, so
0: the plot of the plot of Chapter Five is Zadorov escapes. Uh, you go through several locations, find him. Zadonov escapes. You go through several locations to find him, and you repeat that five times at least. It's a
3: way of getting you to do the extra missions in the game.
0: It is because you have to part. Yeah, you have to uh, advance time by doing mm-hmm. extra ops, uh, of which there are well over a hundred. Well over a hundred. Uh, so you yeah, one
2: hundred and thirty, I think something like that.
0: Yeah, um, I mean the game in total has well over one hundred and fifty playable missions, which is generous to say the least, and wow. most of them are really good, but. Uh, the off escape thing. You know, the, the game knows it's farcical because it makes jokes about it, but it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, yeah, you, you being all funny about this doesn't stop it from being quite annoying. Yeah, and they
3: even wrap up why they even do
0: that trick at the very end of the yeah. game. But yeah.
3: even then, knowing that that was the reason, yeah. it was like you couldn't come up with all the incredible stuff you've come up with, and all the batshit crazy stuff you've come up with. Mm. The best you could do was pull the same trick six times, which ultimately is a number of hours.
2: Now, what I would say is that the the first couple of times you have to do this, you're going back through environments you've been through in the main game, and the guards are still in the similar positions they are. So I actually quite enjoyed going sneakily through there, taking out the guards I had to take out, and it's kind of hide-and-seek. Dodornov is somewhere on the map that you're given, which is three or four environments sort of strung together in the same way that they are in Snake Eater and in the main game here. Um, and you have to literally explore the environment and try and find where he's hidden. Yeah, um, and,
0: there's, and apparently it's random. And also he's hidden, like on one level he's hidden in a box and you have to bust the box open and on another one he's hidden behind a door and you have to go up to the right door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, I mean, the game is really... Use- really economically uses a, a fairly small number of locations over and over again throughout the game without it ever getting boring somehow um, by mixing up the uh, time of day and night and the the types of troopers that you meet there and
2: stuff like that. And, and but, where you come into the environment and leave it, those times at which you're on an, an upper yeah. catwalk over somewhere you've been before. and, and yeah. I think the environments for that work quite well, but I do understand what you mean when you're, when we talk about the missions at the end, it's literally, it feels like you're biding your time to a certain extent, uh, which is unfair on the extra ops missions, because I think they're very good. But yeah. but it feels like you're forced to do some extra ops missions in order to just go and chase down Zdornov again.
3: I, I just think there's a more elegant way they could have presented yeah, that possibly. and run the same trick multiple times.
1: I think it's a real low point for the game, to be honest. I think it's really badly done. Yeah. Once or twice was fine. I mean, the way he hiding some of the levels is really clever. But I mean, it is seven, t- six times seven times. I mean, mm. and the actual when I, when I first played it, there wasn't a lot of information as to you know where he was. So if you couldn't oh, find him, you were kind of stuck. And especially in the the very last mission, as yeah. to where he's hiding well, is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Let's talk about
0: this because this is in a way you know there's there's part of me which as a as a gamer and as a follower of kojima's work you kind of think that is really fucking clever and cool but in another way you think loads of people are never going to work that out or they're just never going to try that unless you know they go on to game facts or whatever so on the seventh occasion Mm -hmm. that he escapes um miller says well this time you're on your own we've got no leads at all so i can't add another mission for you to do uh, normally i'd add another op for you to go and do and find him but this time i can't so you're on your own cheers bye there's 130
3: um, missions, off you
0: go. Yeah. So you're like, uh, okay, now, of course, I'd already looked it up, um, and we're going to spoil it uh, if you've come this far. Tough shit. You have to go into extra op number 01 of 130, or is it 00? Anyway, 01, I think. Uh, which which is an ungraded, unlimited bullet firing range it's set <laughs> inside the base. And then instead of standing in the shooting alleys, as you normally do, you have to go up the stairs and he's there. <laughs> and that's and that's it. Cutscene triggers, um, and you catch him. Uh you end up having to shoot him. He throws he throws his rocket powered red hand at you, flicking the Vs all the while. Uh, but then it turns out that he wasn't the main trouble after all. No, we've got a triple agent again. Once again, uh, it is, of course, the bone china skinned blonde hair, blonde-haired, big-eyed, uh, pants in cutscenes. Paz. She is, in fact, an evil psycho bitch and not a teenager. And she's climbed in Metal Gear, your Metal Gear, Metal Gear Zeke, the one that you've built, in her pants and bra. And she's going mental to a song that she sings herself so it's always a quiet one is not it <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so the idea is that all along she's been working for an organization called cypher which in true metal gear style is um is an organization that through advancing technology hopes to get ahead of the curve and be able to stamp its uh itself on on the future of of humanity essentially um it it this organization has recognized the digital future, recognized that that will, to a certain extent, potentially circumnavigate uh, the idea of nation state and of country uh, and of borders. And therefore um, she is uh, taking Zeke and hoping to recruit to Militaire Sans Frontier as the military arm of Cypher, this new entity, this new state, if you like. And so she, she, from Zeke, tries to convince Snake that...
3: Proposition state, yeah, state, you're like, yeah. join or die. Is yeah, a basis. Exactly. It's like cake or death. Uh,
2: <laughs> Snake, as anyone who's given that sort of an ultimatum would, says no, <laughs> and she then decides that the best thing to do is launch a nuke from there. <laughs> at, of course. Uh, thereby implicating military sans Frontier as some kind of... Uh, Rebel, rebel group uh, mm-hmm. of terrorists, essentially wiping them out, and also letting her get away with um, with Zeke and go back to Cipher with everything she needs. So, so therefore the last battle.
0: Yeah, and uh, what's quite cool is because you've built this Metal Gear, you have to have found certain. There, there are certain conditions you have to meet to to even get this battle going, but. Uh It's kind of, although it might not be that obvious as to what's going to happen in the end, you you kind of figure out that something, even if you'd never read a game fact or knew nothing about the game, you'd definitely be thinking there's clearly something else is going to happen here or has got to happen. Uh, And your Metal Gear, the one you've built, uh, rises up and it's in the colours you've painted it and you get to fight it. Uh, There's a sort of high-energy J-pop song which is ostensibly by sung by the character Paz. I believe it was released in Japan as a double A-side single with the uh, Heaven's Divide power Hmm. ballad uh, by Donna Burke. Um, And there's a pop video as well where she's singing it. Uh, And we played this um, as, uh, well... The only time I've played it so far was uh, in a co-op as a four, and it was quite easy, thankfully. Um, as a foursome, I mean,
2: thank you very much. Let's give as it a foursome. proper name. Yeah. Mm,
3: yeah, it was very so, easy. Which,
4: it, yeah. because but, of the, uh,
0: it was because of the weapons that I had. That
1: it's yeah. actually, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. that sounded terrible. One of the weapons <laughs> that I've got takes a lot of, of time and extra ops and all that to get, It's but it does yeah. a hell of a lot of damage. That, that, that boss fight that the first time I'd played it, as well as every other one, had taken a long, long time. I mean, it was probably between half an hour, maybe 50 odd minutes. You this have is to... why
0: we roped you in yeah. for that. Cause we, I thought, well, at least this way we get to see the end, even if it is un- unbalanced, but the game generally, again, this is a gameplay thing again, but the game generally does a good job of balancing the boss battles with the skills and guns and, and whatever equipment that you have at the time.
1: It usually takes ages because you, you know, how you've got this and when you're fighting seek, you have um, like a computer terminal that you, you basically arrange for supplies to be given. So you don't have to do it yourself. So it usually takes a hell of a long time. Basically, you're you're cycling through lots of different supplies and rocket launchers and whatnot. But I had the the M47 a missile launcher and infinite ammo bandana. So uh-huh. I just basically just kept yeah. on pressing it. But that that took I think it was one of some of the fights like the. Yeah, yeah, you there's... said
2: the last um, Peace Walker battle took you and three others when you first did it about an hour, I think you said.
1: Yeah, it was just over an hour. And the, and the sense of the... accomplishment was amazing, right enough. Yeah. But it, it so took so long. you ruined our game for us, thanks. <laughs> essentially, I, I tried to <laughs> warn you against that, but it, essentially it does. It takes away no, that it, sense of challenge. It is worth saying
2: that the game is, it, it, like most of the Metal Gear uh, games, although less reliant on just knowing what to do and actually um asking you to to work tactically and and slug it out in some of these boss battles but um if you have played the game as long as as paul has you will start to unlock some things like stealth camo like you know some of these weapons that paul has available um that make things get quite a bit easier. But that comes when we talk about gameplay. I let's think more finish up the
3: story yeah. and let's go all the way back into what this gameplay is. <laughs> and then, cause, because there is actually a progression of, of probably explaining what the gameplay is before we get into the, yeah. the more detailed yeah. of how wonderful Paul is and always cool weapons
4: <laughs> and boxes.
0: How empty his
4: life so, is. Absolutely. He's put that many hours uh, into this. That's no. a ridiculous not amount of time. this is, is, is the second
0: is, time as well. because if on it, a it. podcast like called Kane and Rince, we'd uh, <laughs> <laughs> criticise for somebody for yeah, playing exactly. a lot of a video game. Oh, I definitely
1: have Kane and Rince. Can I just say, when we finish up the story, I'm really not a fan of the fact that uh, Paz was basically a triple agent. She's the, mm. the big threat. Because throughout the game... She's, for me, she stood for something quite important and I thought she was an incredibly good, peaceful character. in it. And then all of a sudden it, it, it transpires that she's the ultimate badass. Now, in her diaries that you pick up throughout the game that are actually quite easy to miss, you, you end up uncovering ten-odd audio logs of her mm-hmm. thought process, basically starting off as being this real cold-hearted bitch, which is really at odds to how she's drawn by Ashley Wood in the cutscenes and how her dialogue comes across as well. And I really, really didn't like that. She's incredibly hateful. She's she's basically deeming all these humans as being unimportant and stupid. And but throughout, when it gets to like uh, audio log eight, nine, and ten, she's actually really. She's trying to. She's coming up. She's warming up. She's becoming more human. She's trying. Mm. She's starting to like her time on Mother Base, and she says, "My time on Mother Base is the most peaceful I've ever had." She's actually trying to become part of Mother Base. She wants to. She's getting that longing. However, ciphers at her back. Saying, you know, hmm. uh, you have to you have to commandeer Zeke, and in in our last audio log, she's trying to say I've been rumbled. Basically, she tries to go into Zeke and sabotage it essentially to put it that's off for right. a few days, so that she can then uh, try and recruit military sons in the MSF. That's what you refer to them, MSF. Hmm. Um, she's trying to recruit them and get a Snake on side because she's endeared to them yeah. very much, but her her hand is forced essentially and cipher has her, basically, so she then goes on and, and does it. Her time runs out, but it actually, it's quite tragic Did listening that, back, but I really wish this
0: was introduced into the story because it fleshes out that character. Yeah, it's only there if you go hunting for it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I was
3: going to say, I mean, that's fascinating to me because I didn't know any of that because I yeah. have not had time to go back and, and listen to, essentially, what the audio diaries or audio logs. Hours longs. and hours and I, hours, Yeah, hours and hours and hours, but, I mean... <laughs>
2: We'll we'll get into what this well, game becomes yeah. if you if you just if you if you don't dig that little bit deeper. Well, but but my my, my
3: point is, I mean, ultimately this is a PSP game, and yes, we all played it on, on the PS3. Paul played it on on the PSP, essentially. As but,
4: well,
3: as well. But um, you know, for me, it it felt like the story itself, and we might as well do a, a weird story wrap up here before we move on to everything else. But it felt like the story was. Somewhat under concession of okay, this is for the PSP. We have this much space. This also plays into the the, um, the cutscenes, which we haven't really talked about. But that they can't deliver that much story. Um, it seemingly they didn't. They don't deliver the, the deeper story like that into um, the animated
0: cutscenes. So it's hidden away in in
3: different menus,
0: like a good feature length movie's worth of animated cutscenes.
2: Yeah, is. It, tends, it, ten, it tends to be just when you transfer between different. Uh, sort of game spaces. There'll be a little cutscene where Snake comes into the area and a boss is introduced or whatever it might be. Um, but the the sort of the central part of the story is generally all told through, um, through these sort of graphic novel. Uh,
0: but there's there sections. is a lot of that. If you, if you watch them all back to back, as you can mm. do, there is a there is a viewer in the mission select. It's an, it's a good hour and a half plus. Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well,
3: but yeah, but. Saying that that's a good hour and a half plus worth for a Metal Gear game. I've yeah, that's played like cutscenes cut yeah, okay, which yeah. are more than an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: the, the problem the reason that that's done like that is because it's a co op game. That's and you're you're well, meant to replay yeah. them, so you know, you're playing with someone else who's maybe replayed it. So they'll be wanting to skip. So how they've divvied divided up the cutscenes, is very they're always watchable, you know, you can always watch maybe say five minutes, maybe less than they There at is the end always, of every... uh, yeah, there
0: there is I I mean I, I I agree, but I think there is actually a problem with there probably being too much exposition for a game that is so co-op heavy. Mm-hmm, uh, as in maybe True, you're not maybe but. you're not supposed to play it like Tony and I did, which is playing it through for the first time and sitting there quietly watching the cutscenes between. But, but saying levels. that,
3: I mean, it's, you can you can skip the the cutscenes. So it, yeah, it it wanting to present a single player story, it should it still probably should have done that in a slightly deeper, meaningful. And although you know, we've all we've talked about the you know the depth of where the, the boss or big boss's characters come from here and how important that is to the overarching feeling of the series. And that I I stand behind, but I felt at times this it was treading over you know ground that we had seen before in previous games. Um like some of the, the boss stuff is like it, it was almost explaining it like I'd never seen it before. I'm like, well if I hadn't never seen it before, then i probably I mean, would this convince me to go back to free? Maybe. But it seemed like spending too much time trying to ing- ingratiate new players into something which is, you know, as we've tried to do now, describe in, in depth. And I, I think it would have been better off spending that extra time kind of making um, me feel a bit more kind of like involved in what was going on, having played all the other games, and, and just kind of, for this one, forgetting who the new players were. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a, a big, rash statement, but
4: no, I felt like sometimes
3: sense. it went a bit too far over mm-hmm. that stuff. And because of the animated nature of the cutscenes, like there's there's a lot that can be said in a look and a glance through um, the cutscenes in, in many of the other games in the full-blown um, you know film production-like cutscenes, and some people don't like that for sure. But I've, I, for me, I've become so accustomed to that in the Metal Gear franchise that when those were stripped out, and you know I had just essentially what is storyboarded. Um, cutscenes which have some sort of interaction
0: oh no they've got some well, there's uh, some cool cool
3: effects say, and animation it, in them i found it actually really jarring at the very start because i thought well this is clearly once again a concession that this is a psp game there's only so much memory and you know allocated space
0: they can when have. you see how vast this game is that seems rather but, ridiculous Yes, but then they they did
3: start to win me over so i reckon we should just cover the the look of those before we jump into the game well, I, well,
0: there's an important point of the story we haven't quite yet there's a question we need to ask about the very end because after the credits, after you've taken out your Metal Gear Zeke, um, this is where Snake in the post-credits bit addresses Outer Heaven um, and gives a sort of rousing but slightly angry speech. Um, and it and it's like the, the, the final events, the fact that he was triple-crossed by this symbol for peace is kind of what throws him over the edge into mm-hmm. being a... I mean, you know, he doesn't become exactly a despot or whatever, but he does form his... This is where it becomes, I am going to build a nation. Um, we're going to... Basically a nation army, and we're going to serve anyone regardless, um, and it's going to be out of heaven. And that's when the those credits, the second credits, end with a flash of red uh, rather than a, fra- a flash of peaceful yellow. And after that point, every time... If you continue your game, the music, the menu music, which is where you spend a lot of time in Outer Heaven, has become very much more strident, bombastic, militaristic, mm-hmm. um, from the quite ambient piece that was before, and the the whole feeling of your time in the game changes from that point on because instead of it, instead of you feeling like you're maybe playing this slightly, you know, somebody who you could at least say, well, yeah, okay, there are resemblances to someone like che guevara now you just feel like you're more of a yeah more of like a totalitarian megalomaniac um, megalomaniac yeah absolutely
1: yeah. you know what i have i have never pieced that together until right now that you've said that that makes total sense it does get a lot, a lot more angry and essentially at that point you are creating the antagonist you are the antagonist Mm -hmm. exactly you're creating his resources his army from then then goes on to the events from the the msx game metal gear exactly and that's when solid snake obviously goes into to best the character you've been playing in this Uh, that's really that's actually really cool (laughs) i've just figured that out it's my favorite aspect of the whole game absolutely Uh,
0: the fact that you end up doing that is is very cool what the building out of heaven
3: Yeah, yeah 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 it's a bit like, um, to me, like, you, you could easily have seen the credits in this game and then just turned it off. and You'd be missing, obviously, a lot of gameplay thereafter. We were thereafter, wondering,
0: but... weren't we, if, if, if Josh uh, of this show, uh, because he said, oh, you know, you won't, you won't have... you won't It's have, not long. Yeah, it won't take too, <laughs> too long to finish Peace Walk. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. We'll set aside like maybe eight to 12 hours each just to make sure that we've seen some of the extra stuff. Game clock at thirty five hours. Still, way. I think my trophy. I think I've got thirty percent of the trophies. <laughs> yeah. um, what's your game clock, Paul? On your on uh, on your two versions? Do you know?
1: Yeah, I do know. <laughs> Go on. <Yeah>. Then. <laughs> nope.
0: Ninety six.
1: No, I'm not, not 96, at all. You no. Saying? This is no, oh, Kane Ritz. That.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the first save. The first game I'd, I'd played on the PSP, and yeah. uh, that was about one hundred and seventy odd hours. Yep. back in 2010, <laughs> and mm-hmm. this replay would be um, the PS4, obviously, because the trophies yeah. didn't carry over. No, it's north of a hundred.
0: Yeah, and, and you haven't got the and you
1: haven't got the platinum yet. No, I'm um, one away. Which yeah. is actually so... really an obnoxious trophy because it's you need to get your camaraderie up to like twenty thousand, and it's exceptionally difficult to do
0: that. But... but that is how long this game is for a completionist. A hundred. 120 to 170 hours it can be yeah well this is
1: something that I thought was quite interesting the game as you were saying what Josh was saying the game is the game it's everything the game isn't the the story it isn't A to B Mm. you know
3: the game is it's only a small part of it
1: absolutely it's the whole experience it's the whole Metal Gear kind of world it's it's the outer ops that we'll maybe mention soon. It's the replaying the boss battles. Yep. It's the S rank in the boss battles to Absolutely. unlock new weapons. It's the talking to Chico and the, uh, sorry, listen to Chico's audio logs in order to get mm-hmm. information on
0: Elmen, uh, through. Yeah, all the various uh, legendary monsters. Yeah, yeah. the the GMAs, as they call them um, to unlock the Monster Hunter levels. Uh,
1: it's yep, all we'll that good stuff, that. you know, and it's a co op. It's co oping with four players to take down Peace Walker. It's a collating the, the AI and the, the the weapon parts. Because we didn't, I don't think we mentioned before, but each of the bosses that we mentioned, the three yeah, of them. We'll come to that. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, I, what, I, what,
3: I, what I want to say is before we move straight into the gameplay stuff, is that what my, my point being is that it's a bit like Red Dead Redemption. You could easily finish that game, feel like you've had that ending, and then not do that extra mission. And if yeah. you do that extra mission, it actually puts a pretty big spin on the events of what that game actually Massive, means. Massive, yeah. Huge yeah. spin. And yeah. many people would never have even, you know, okay, the game's done and just put the controller down, thus missing a lot of side From a purely
0: ludological point of view, you'd be missing out massively if you didn't play most of the extra ops because so much of the meat of the gameplay is in there. Absolutely. True, but As even well. from a
3: story point of view, you, you miss the actual triggering point of who Big Boss is. Yeah, but it to me, I'm, to less, I'm,
0: I'm less, in, even though I'm much more invested in Metal Gear than I was, I'm way more interested in what you actually do from moment to moment than I am in who bosses or anything like that personally. True,
3: but to, to see that moment for me that the big boss becomes how he becomes that person and I, that was the missing oh, yeah. link for me for yeah, the whole no, franchise. Right about that. Yeah. I've always missed that link of like, well, how does he essentially become? Was the antagonist because of- Paz see,
0: fucks him over?
2: It's um, it's it's quite weird because the anger that that he displays towards the end of this game seemed quite odd to me because as an antagonist, I only ever considered him an enemy from the point of view of the United States who who Solid Snake represents in Metal Gear. He's not... The point of, of a lot of the the sort of philosophy of war of the Metal Gear series is not that there are good guys and bad guys. It's all perspective. Yeah. And yeah. so I was actually quite happy with the fact that he went away at the end of Snake Eater disenfranchised with with... Mm-hmm. the idea of a country because you're at the behest of politicians and their whims change literally as the boss says as as with the wind you know um and so the idea is at that point he's already got that kernel in his mind that no he needs to be separate to these countries and these people controlling soldiers isn't
0: s- isn't there a subtle shift though where because he's ultimately betrayed by this this symbol of peace that that's where he's like oh fuck everyone then
4: I'm just yeah, going
2: to yeah yeah but but I I guess I guess all I mean is that philosophically I thought he was already there at the end of Sneakier. Mm-hmm. He probably needed that push cuz all the way through this game Miller's trying to push him to say you know what we could actually make something of this. We can mm. make something of MSF and really become a force not for good or for evil just a force in this world and and we can have our our dream if you like um and and snake's kind of reluctant, so in that respect, yeah, i think he does need the push mm-hmm. to to see what m s f could be and and to take control of it, but philosophically, I think he was already there at the end of snake eater um and and he's not a bad guy in in the in the way that maybe oh. he he is represented in Metal Gear by the time you get to certainly m g s four you realize that actually he's trying to do what he believes is right, as everyone is, and it's just that from the perspective of Foxhound in Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2, he's the bad guy, but maybe it's, he's not, you know?
3: It's odd to me, actually, that with this game in particular, because it, it feels quite streamlined, and that may be the platform that it originated on, but bear in mind it's 2010, so Kojima's been down this route so many times. It's almost like he he got to that point of his... Craft of like, okay, well, this is a streamlined story because people tend to think with Metal Gear games being, you know, it's sometimes, um, oh, what's, yeah, crazy, I <laughs> want a better word, yeah, you know, just batshit insane on occasions with, uh, uh, you know, spiritual stuff happening, um, you know, uh, what's, what's the word like outer, outer body experiences and stuff like well, that? Well, supernatural, almost. That's, yeah, that's the word I was is. looking for, yeah, so supernatural experiences happening, um, when. So I've gone back. So the last two games we played are both Metal Gear Solid Three and um, this game, and actually they're the most tame of the franchise. So you know this plays through pretty much all the rest of the gameplay. So the bosses you fight in this are actually, and I'm going to put this down to so there's a co-op nature of the game, are actually not particularly interesting. They are just you know big mechanical beasts. They have some sort of weird singing nature going in them, but you know compared to what we've seen later in the franchises, they are just mechanical beasts that need to have a, a, essentially an energy bar that needs decreasing um, so it's, it's not out there apart from maybe a, a slightly overthinking AI it's nowhere near mm. as intense as uh, some of the later games in the franchises and I think that's a really really positive thing for me I've, I've yeah. actually enjoyed that aspect both from free and into um, this game in particular where he, he kind of just puts all that stuff to one side again and, and tells a story um, I don't know, is, is that something you guys kind of felt a little bit with yeah, as well, that he's put some of that baggage behind him?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked the fact that th- the problem is that with Metal Gear Solid, I think that is sort of the pinnacle of, of the bosses that we had. And, and emotionally, I yeah. think they were the most resonant. And I've said that before. Um, but I definitely got a sense that with then 2 and 3 and 4, there was a there was a f- a feeling that maybe they had to be bigger or, or better or you know, more crazy or in some way slightly, or not necessarily crazy, but more memorable perhaps, and always needing to outdo what was done previously in the series. And with this one, it was really, I mean, the the unmanned AI uh, craft are definitely out there in terms of the singing that's going on and the, the way they look and, and behave. But you're right, Tony, the, the bosses actually end up being more about going at it with two, three, or four people and mm. tactically taking them down. And it's not about the character of this armoured vehicle because it doesn't have one. And it's just about making what I think are some it's, pretty good boss battles, but without yeah. all of the bells and whistles it, that have it's, been maybe it, always there for the through the series.
3: It's also a double-edged sword because, you know, as much as I'm saying, well, it's kind of refreshing that it's grounded at the same time, on occasions, it actually doesn't feel like a, a Metal Gear game. Because you, know, you are just you know, whittling down these, these uh, machines down with their health. Um, you know, and I, I do have my fondest memories of going back to, to Metal Gear Solid. Um, and you know, those boss battles which are really you know, interesting and creative. Iconic. So, yeah, yeah, iconic. Anyway, I think Leon is going to explode if we do not talk about the gameplay of this. To say, before, <laughs> before,
1: before we move on, I just wanted to say, see what you're talking about? It's, it's a Monster Hunter game.
3: Yes. This is the yes. Thing.
1: They don't even try and hide it at all, and it's it's fantastic for it. I know people it's... in the Monster Hunter game have about one thousand, like two thousand hours on it. This is why I'm I just so kind of into it. It's they've taken yeah. Monster Hunter and completely implemented it into their game. So that's that's the whole kind of angle on that.
0: We we will come to that a bit more specifically. Obviously. Konami Kojima looked at Capcom's enormous success in Japan with Monster Hunter. Freedom mm-hmm. as when it really took off, wasn't it? Um, uh, and put certain elements in this game to try and appeal to that crowd. Including um, a, Rathalo, a Rathalos and a Tigrex. You know, there are Monster Hunter levels
1: in this game. So mm-hmm. don't even try and hide it. You're li- later on, if you talk to Chico, you're literally shooting down the Rathalos you know, and uh, Tigrex as well. And uh, knocking apart their... Their claws and their wings and stuff to create a, a super weapon for. <laughs> Capcom <on. laughs>
0: got any credit in it? Was it just done on a friendly basis? Yeah, well, it says it says
1: when they go to slight the yeah. missions, it says Capcom dot Co uh, Limited, so uh, under,
0: okay. used under license. So yeah I,
2: I, I didn't actually look out for Capcom in the credits, but the Assassin's Creed team are mentioned in the credits. Yes.
0: Yeah, there was some, was it some Ezio costumes or something like that? Uh, well, there?
2: th- there's a leap of faith uh, from the top of uh, one of the buildings in uh, Chapter 3, is it, Paul, I think? Mm-hmm. First Maybe. level Chapter 3. Oh. Uh, Paul kindly took me up the top of some of the, you, you come into. I saw there was a trophy for something like that. Some, some huts. Uh, well, they're sort of shacks and, and warehouses and stuff. You can actually climb on top of them. And, and Paul pointed out to me, I, I looked over and I saw a hay bale and I thought, there's a hay bale there. <laughs> and Paul egg. said another Easter egg. And Paul said, "There's some pigeon droppings there as well." And sure enough, if you stand next to them, it (laughs) gives you a button prompt, and you leap of faith off the off the top of the building into the into the hay bale, and you can pick that up, and that becomes a a, essentially a cardboard box that you can use. I've
0: seen him running around in a hay bale. Yeah, Uh, yeah, we had some hilarious moments playing cop. We'll talk about this. Let's uh, take a break for uh, a piece of music and refresh our glasses, and then come back and talk about that freaking gameplay. first thing I sort of noticed when taking control of snake for the first time was that the animation looked a bit stiffer than normal metal gear. And I just assumed, uh, as I say, I've not played the portable version, portable version. Um, The, again, you know, massive credit to Blue Point for their work on this uh, HD edition. Uh, I can only speak about the PS3 version with authority. James, you played a bit of the 360 version, but then swapped. Please uh, give us your consumer advice on why you did that.
2: Well, uh, I played Metal Gear, Metal Gear Two, Metal Gear Solid Two, and Metal Gear Solid Three all on the 360 HD collection. Just because, mm. given the choice, I tend to err on the side of 360 because it's just a personal preference mm-hmm. um i hadn't had i know uh, paul had had mentioned to me the problems you might have particularly in metal gear solid 2 using a 360 controller because mm. holding people up with your gun so uh you know ho- holding the gun but not firing it can be a bit tricky if you don't have yeah. the pressure sensitive buttons of Indeed. the uh, of the dual shock um yeah. I hadn't had a problem, probably because I didn't do so much holding up um, <laughs> as nice. uh, as tranking and, and yep. avoiding uh, mm. enemies. But when it came to uh, Peace Walker, there's a tutorial at the beginning that I've mentioned, and it's a very rigid, you can skip it, but it's a very rigid, here is how to play this game, um, yep. which is unusual. But I went through it because I thought, okay, let's get the mechanics down. They do play slightly differently. Um for instance you can't crawl when you're prone. You can just lie down. Um the the CQC, you now you can chain attacks, which Paul uh, mentioned to me was a direct <laughs> I like
0: the re- way Snake shouts consecutive. When you, <laughs> well when, that's that's when you a, get the a right. d-
2: direct reference to Assassin's Creed's um yeah. combat, actually. Um the way they do that. And I think you can you can kind of see it once once Paul told me, I sort of recognized that. Um But the the trouble I had is that The CQC um, tutorial, what it asks you to do is to tap the attack button uh, if you've got a CQC weapon uh, equipped uh, just to to quickly attack someone. So punch, punch, kick, uh, or rather, yeah, punch, punch, swipe, isn't it, to to actually knock someone over is the sort of three-button combo. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you have to tap that three times in quick succession. If you hold the button, you actually pull them into a CQC hold, um, and although you can knock someone out from that position, Um, it actually puts you at a disadvantage if what you want to do is quickly knock them to the ground and move on. Mm. And I found on the 360 controller, there's three different button layouts, but they don't allow you to customize them beyond that. Um, The button layout I chose to use was called Shooter, which is almost exactly the same as the MGS4 layout. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem is on the 360, because people on the 360 are used to using the triggers as your attack buttons and the bumpers as your menu select options Mm. or you know whatever they may be used for they actually map them that way around on this for for peace walker and the triggers on the 360 are not designed to be used as push buttons they're very much just squeeze and hold if you try tapping it nine times out of ten i was pulling someone to a cqc hold when i meant to attack them Mm. and that's not workable when you're sneaking up behind someone in a stealth game the last thing you want is to press a button and have it do something you're not so expecting. So much so
0: you swapped versions?
2: I did. I uh, put wow. my uh, 360 version up on Amazon and ordered a PS3 version um, oh. without hesitation. <laughs> Within five minutes of playing that tutorial, I'd done that and vowed not to play the, the I game. I guess we would still you know? say
0: to any listeners who don't have a PlayStation 3 or a Vita uh, or a PSP um, <laughs> that the
2: 360 version is functional. It, yeah, this was a particular problem I had because of the way I choose to play the games. There yeah. are other uh, uh, control systems which may suit you slightly better, or right. you could. And as far as actually functioning, the game works absolutely perfectly, aside from this one really specific oh. issue I had. And it looks absolutely on par with the PS3 version. So, yeah. What,
3: what yeah. is odd, um, I, I play my PS3 with a, a custom 360 controller. Um, it works perfectly fine so so what they do they map the the ps3 or the ps3 it assumes i'm playing with a dual shock so all those buttons are mapped to that and in fact so the rb is actually used as your action button and that works absolutely perfectly fine yeah absolutely so why they yeah. chose to go down the route mm. of the triggers makes no sense because you know having played the entirety of the game with yeah. the uh the rb being that that function it just worked perfectly fine. So some any
0: Microsoft issues. weird stipulation.
3: Possibly. I, I don't something. think it
2: is. I, what, what I suspect it is, is that often when you come to shooters, and, and Metal Gear Solid 4 suffered from this as well, people kind of ask why you're not using the trigger as your yeah. fire for your gun. Your, your, mm. It's a trigger. Why wouldn't you use that? Um, and actually on PS3, uh, Konami stuck to it for Metal Gear Solid, and mm. I can see why. They were right. They They needed more functionality from a button. Than a trigger could give them.
3: Well, what was weird to me, actually, I had some real issues with the controls in this, not down to, to what you're saying, but mm. uh, Leon will contest because you know, we were playing co op together. A few
0: people have said this in, in what little sort of Twitter correspondence we've had about this game. A few people have said, oh, I couldn't get into it because of the controls.
3: Yeah, which was really odd to me because. Bear in mind all the other games have, have used what some people would class as mm. that shit crazy type control schemes. Really old fashioned, and
0: really unintuitive controls.
3: Yeah, the for other whatever games. reason, I've I've been perfectly fine with those. But this one, which is using the new controls from Metal Gear Solid Four, so it would make perfect sense that this would be the ones which was to continue with and, and make the most sense. I, I I was all over the place. I couldn't yeah, you know, I was I think my invert was wrong in, in that particular scenario. But it took me a good couple of hours. Um like I say, Leon will contest this because you know, he was being the most stealthy one and I was kind of bumbling through the levels, not really playing it correctly. But I eventually got there and, and now I'm, it's probably good because I'm set for Metal Gear Solid 4, See, but
2: it was odd. I wonder, Tony, how much of that is because you've come directly, essentially directly from Metal Gear Solid 3 to this, whereas mm-hmm. what I had done is I'd played Metal Gear Solid 4 in between times. Um, I
0: didn't have a problem with it, though. I came straight yeah. from 3 and I, I actually... Was immediately like, oh god this feels more like a proper yeah. modern <laughs> game than three which you know is a, is an excellent but, game and I've been enjoying my second so, playthrough but yeah. the controls are they're very metal well, gear
2: the reason I would say that I I like these controls is exactly the same reason although obviously I'm I'm pointing to having played MGS four I I actually think the MGS four control scheme is. Perfect. I think it's and absolutely having had brilliant. a PSP
0: in the past, I'm bloody glad that I'm not playing this on the PSP, well, just because having the second the analog camera. and having four shoulder yeah. buttons. Paul, you obviously you played the PSP version. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it nicer to have a camera on the second analog stick and all that lovely stuff and four shoulder buttons and, and or did you just get in hundred in 170 hours? Did you manage to get used to the PSP control? He's a purist. The PSP all the way.
1: Um, I prefer, obviously, playing uh, with the control pad, but <clears throat> the PSP version, you do get used to it. it it's very much a case of adapting, but it, ta- it takes me a long time to kind of adapt to that. It's it's the same as Monster Hunter as well, once you get into it. yeah. So the camera it's is what, totally
3: essentially free. on the face buttons?
4: mm
1: mm-hmm. okay. No, wait, the, the way I had it, the camera was the shoulder buttons.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's various options. Um, I'm playing Manhunt 2 at the moment, and... I'm playing it on a Vita, so it's kind of odd having this dead um, second stick. analog stick mm. there. But what they do on that is there's various options, and that tends to be the way they handle it. Sometimes it's face buttons, other times it's yeah. shoulder buttons. What they do in Manhunt 2 is actually left and right with the analog stick pans the camera, forward and back makes you walk, and then you can uh, toggle a button to stra- to turn it to strafe. Mm. Um, so it's got this hybrid system. There's various different systems they've used. Yes, yeah, siphon filter had like that, Yeah, siphon cool. filter was yeah, quite. I was odd. actually playing
3: um, Metal Gear Solid Free on the 3DS, mm-hmm. um, which obviously doesn't have the second analog stick, so it was using the face. It does have gyroscope reasons.
0: controls though? Oh yeah.
3: Oh yes. Checked those out, um, and terrible 3D, but <laughs> it was using the uh, the face buttons as camera controls, which threw me for a loop for a second.
0: So other new things to consider, as well as slightly different controls, although less different if you've recently played Metal Gear Solid 4, are the fact that for the first time ever, you have to consider um, before each mission your loadout, and uh, lo- missions tend to be quite small and short and broken up into even smaller shorter areas uh but you actually have to think about the weight of your equipment i mean you're not going to be over encumbered in the way that you might in skyrim or something although i gather it is possible um to completely
2: there's a couple of weapons one in particular the stealth um gun is like 15 kilograms all on its own (laughs) so yeah i can imagine if you've got a couple of rocket launchers and that you I think could, it
0: makes you noisier and yeah. you and slows you down. There's a battle suit and a stealth suit which offer various um pros and cons, but mostly you've got a lot of different camo's m- many of which you collect throughout the game. Um the camo index returns from Metal Gear Solid 3, but uh you can only choose at the start of each level what you're going what gear you're going to wear. So th- this becomes again as much as anything uh Replaying these levels over and over is is probably what you're going to do if you get into this game, and and part of the decision-making process is is about your loadout, what you're going to take. And yeah, you just end up, because of the R&D stuff, which we'll talk about, uh, you end up with more and more and more and more options of uh, ways to tackle levels.
3: So uh, approaching this for the first time, once again, I thought the concession was this is a PSP game, so there's reasons for this. So you end up in these areas, and unlike previous Metal Gear games, there you know, some areas can be rather large you can spend maybe 20 minutes traversing an area or you reach out for the other side into another loading screen In these a lot of them can be traversed in well if if you know you're going within maybe around a minute and a half um less than that i would say yeah if, i mean if, if, you if you know where know you go, go direct crew, I've, done, you pr- I've
0: done entire missions in like 90 seconds So
3: they're actually quite small areas, and one would assume that's down to the PSP architecture itself, you know, amount of memory and all that stuff. So it feels quite different from from the other games because you know they are quite confined
0: areas. But it kind of um, it was probably to keep loading times on UMD down as well.
2: You see, I actually disagree. I think Um, I think they're very comparable to um, Snake Eater for the most part, especially the jungle areas of Snake Eater, because those always felt quite confined and like there was actually just a linear path through maybe with one or two branches but they felt quite confined and and always when you got to the end of an area you would sort of snake would sort of roadie run out and your camera would sort of pan round with him and then load into the next area and that's exactly what they do here you're less reliant on camo index and you can just if you know where you're going you can get through all of these missions in under five minutes
3: yeah i would say my my bat is um because the in particular, Metal Gear 3 is very much it's a story driven game. It's a single player game that you, know, you take more time. Well, I certainly did with my camo index. I, didn't, yeah. I, I pretty much found one uniform in this and I used it and then just shot people from afar. Um, where in Metal Gear Solid 3, I was always tinkering with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I was hunting snakes. Like you spent a lot more time within those areas doing all the auxiliary stuff mm-hmm. um, rather than just tend to this. This to me turned out to be more of a shooting gallery. And because then the story wasn't particularly um, long in between those those segments, yeah. it felt very much like it was bit part. And because each level, say you had uh, an entire area or level, would make five or six segments, and you could see that on the map, you'd uh, you could run through each segment, you know, in maybe ninety seconds, which then would make one long area. But it felt quite compartmentalised. Martin oh, I couldn't say this the other day compartmentalized quite, Yeah, that's the compartmentalized <laughs> Yeah, that one Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Other games. yeah,
2: and that's undoubtedly a, a concession for it being a portable game, because if you tried to force someone to sit down and play through half an hour worth of game, that doesn't work for a portable game. It has to be broken up into chunks that can be five, ten minutes long, doesn't it? So, but or... each
1: level's is designed quite uh, cleverly, I thought, because even mm. though they are quite small, if you find yourself trying to just zoom through it, you will get caught. And then your your alert system will go off and then you'll get reinforcements and stuff like that, which will make it in turn longer than, you know, had you just taken your time and avoided them. And
0: some of the enemies who do wear camo themselves, ghillie suits, etc., are incredibly well hidden. And, (laughs) um, you know, throughout the game you develop um, increasingly useful... uh, audio-detecting equipment to the point that actually later in the game you can develop the prototype Soliton radar system uh, from Metal Gear Solid and actually get vision cones, but the, the early versions run out your batteries in seconds, mm. which is quite excellent uh, gameplay touch. Uh, I mean, th- th- for me, I don't know if anyone agrees, but the game this feels most, like in, in pure gameplay terms, it feels like Uncharted, like the actual shooting, <laughs> uh, the actual um, fighting... Big, <laughs> yeah, no, well, the shooting in this is know, better than Char- I don't <laughs> know if the shooting is better, but yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a lot more to do in this game, but. It has a, it, you know, the the environments. It, this hasn't got a cover system in the same way, although you can go up against cover. And by the way, I found out a control today after thirty five hours that I didn't even know was there before by going back to an early mission. Instead of sneaking around a corner, if you hold down the triangle button when you're in cover, it will actually show you where enemies are, which obviously makes S ranking and not getting caught a lot, a lot easier. Um, But yes, and the fact that you have enemies and you shoot their helmets off and and you you headshot them and and all that sort of thing and the way it's big, chunky guys in orange jackets coming out of the undergrowth at you. Um, But of course, this also allows you to use mines and tanks and claymores and umpteen different kinds of guns.
3: What I will say, and which leads in in perfectly into that, is I think I was actually... um, I made that comparison to the other games, but this is the thing. This isn't those other games, and because of the concessions that have been made for the PSP, it's its own thing. And so when I first, like the first couple of hours, I was always comparing it to the other games in the franchise, and you quickly realize, like, actually, no, this this isn't The story is there, but actually what this is is, in some respects, a score-chasing game. Mm. Um, you know, each one of these missions, you know, they are they can be 90 seconds long, and you can Bundle your way through with a shotgun and do all that stuff, but you're going to get a rubbish, you know, a C rank at the end and feel kind of crappy about yourself, to be honest. Or you can, um, you know, take your time. Um, it's it a, Paul, is it a combination between time and skillfulness of shot? Obviously, not being seen <laughs> and stuff. Alerts, yeah. Alerts, um, Lack of alerts. And then, so the ideal is to S rank everything. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So it's a very different 150 about, plus S ranks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What I would say about that is, generally you are rewarded in Metal Gear. At the end of the game, you'll get your ranking, and generally you're rewarded for kill, low number of kills, low number of alerts, low number of saves, low number of use of recovery items, um, and also time factors in. If you want to get the highest rankings, you also need to do the ge- to get through the game quickly. Um, what it does here is it focuses you, because at the end of each mm-hmm. mission, it gives you a much Smaller group of of data, but it's kills, alerts, enemies left near dead, um, and mm. time. I th- I think I'm right in saying time is the biggest factor in mm. that. Yeah. You, you, probably, if you run through and shotgun everyone, yeah, you're going to find if you've got ten kills that it's not going to get you an oh, S rank right.
0: damage that'll badly damage and your hero yeah. score, which which is o- overarching the yeah. whole game. But, uh, the thing is, though, Tony, I don't necessarily agree that this is like. This, all this game is about concessions to the PSP. I think a lot of these decisions are made because it makes it a fucking good game. Absolutely.
2: But, but I think what that is, is it's born out of the limitations of being on a PSP. Mm-hmm. And what it shows is, as with many, many artistic endeavours, where you have limitations, it actually forces you to come up with good yeah, I, solutions and creative solutions. And that's what they've done. I think it's one sounds, against the other.
3: Sounds... Maybe too severe of a word. I think the limitations of the device has actually streamlined this into a different product, which. That sounds you know, no different or better. Well, <laughs> I, I think a lot of these but you're things are. you seeing this ideas as a negative that, thing? I don't see oh, it no, as a negative thing. Not at all. I I'm just saying a,
0: that we're, we're talking, you know, like one of the whole things about the ethos of Canon Ritz is not judging machines by its platform. Obviously, it can be relevant. But um, I think that a lot of these things are maybe ideas that Kojima just wanted to explore. Okay,
3: but then I would put it this way, if this was released on a modern day console, although we've played it on a modern day console, so maybe this statement is utterly batshit crazy and bizarre. But I think if this was Metal Gear Solid 5 and they went down this route, they would have a lot of resistance to what it was. I would have
0: lapped it up. Um And we
3: did, and we essentially we did lap it exactly. up, but it feels like a lot of this stuff was bore, bored out because of the limitations of the device. It doesn't make it a bad thing, and like I say if it ended up being come Metal Gear Solid 5. I very much enjoyed this game. But I think, you know, the some of the, the you know the lack of cutscenes, uh the artistic style, the way that each area is a smaller um, size size is down to the fact that there's only so much memory the PSP could handle and throwing it out there there's only so much loading disc times size could again. handle. Yeah, loading size like all that stuff does actually play into it. Now I think he's made a really interesting game because of that. And well done to him but i think it is all based down to what the psp could handle mm. what it could put out if this was a vita game i bet that's, it would have been that's a different not what game he again. says in
0: interviews about it he's, he talks about it very much like you know i mean we can second guess how he actually felt but he's talking you know he talks about his influences for the game he talks about pokemon obviously that's a very handheld game and that's more to do with the outside of the actual uh you know the gunplay side of the gameplay but he also talks about sim city now that's a game that started life on for the time quite powerful pcs um and is not a game that is only associated with handhelds in fact it's more associated with um sitting down for long sessions at a desktop computer so i i just don't think we can say for sure that all these game design decisions about the base building and the short nature of the levels and all that is to do with the fact that it's on the psp
3: well some of the stuff are like the base building we haven't touched upon which is uh, quite often in missions, you, you have this, fu- is it Futon, isn't it? Futon. Futon, Fulton. Fulton, yeah. um, reco- recovery yeah, system. Recovery which system, something which is entirely um, you hook somebody to a balloon and they shoot back up into the sky. Now, each person has a different rank associated to them. The higher the level, the higher the rank they're going to be. Prisoner of War that you come across, they tend to have higher ranks. Now, this has two um, functions to it. One, it, it made Leon take this game more as a stealth game from previous conversations we've had with other metal gear games it sounded mm. like he was the rambo nature running through these games well, with shotgun. again
0: that's been overblown slightly <laughs> in fact <laughs> ridiculously but uh, yeah just because i said i didn't enjoy but the sneaky bits but
3: hardly at any point do you ever want to kill anybody because essentially they are a resource that you need to farm as mm-hmm. horrible as that sounds um but you need to recruit them back into your base so yep. um you know uh darting them and uh, putting them to sleep and then taking them back to your base is, a, you know, is almost a must or is a, a needed um, thing for this game. Or, so, just, yeah. or just
2: holding them up with a banana and then folding them uh, <laughs> back to your base as Indeed. well. That
3: works. Or that way. So they they are a resource that you need to collect, so it, it kind of forces you to play this game more in the Metal Gear style of of what I've come to respect. But also the, um, the base building aspect. Like, I can, having not played this on the PSP, so Paul can maybe talk more to this, but that to me seems like a perfectly, um, the perfect way that you build a game around a handheld device which is you haven't got time to do a, a full mission but you know you've got 20 minutes on a bus now just mess around with your base building stuff because that's what you know you've just you've done a full-blown mission and the missions can be quite short themselves but you know just mess around this mission stuff mm-hmm. on a bus and then you can you pick up your main game, maybe a bit further on when you got a bit more time,
2: and and that also plays into the into the transferring nature of it as well. The idea being that you could Stupid take word. this. It, yeah, it's not a word. I'm, I I feel dirty for saying it, to be honest, but but that's what Konami call it. So
0: I'm quite pleased that they've uh, corrected their spelling mistake in the digital manual that is exists in the uh, hard copy manual as regards <laughs> to transferring, where they've uh, they've put Y O U R for U R, which. Uh, you know, very bad for a professional <laughs> publication.
3: But Paul, did you play this on a bus or was this all at home? I played it all the time. <laughs> I played it whenever Everywhere. I could. No, I did actually During play it a lot on the train. It, it's,
1: yeah. um, my train journey to, to and from work was about, I think, 40 minutes. Sometimes it was 20, depending if it was a direct train or whatever. But you could actually get a lot done. You could Each mission mm. you could do, you could replay. You know, There's all, all different reasons for replaying. Um, to get the S-rank, to get the rewards, or to to collect uh, collect staff. Either way, you do want to take your time, as you were saying. But um, you know, it's perfectly valid just to whip out your handheld plate for 20 minutes and upgrade, maybe get an S-class member of staff who has a certain skill attached to them. And R&D's really interesting, well, the the whole Mother Base setup ups really interesting because it's cut up into four sections, say. You've got your soldiers, who are responsible for your... Your, your money, essentially, the more soldiers you get, the more, TMP, the more income yeah. you get. The next section is your R&D, which is research and development, obviously, that makes certain types of uh, equipment and whatnot. Um, then you've got the mess hall, which is like a canteen, in a sense. American word for a canteen, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. they, they well, it's, essentially, it's a military, military
2: word. word. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I, was, I thought mess hall, I yeah. thought it was actually a school M- Military term, and
2: scouting background, yeah. Anyone would have come across that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's
0: the only time I've ever heard it was, actually. Yeah. You weren't thing. in the military then, Paul. You surprised me. <laughs> I'm pure <laughs> military material,
1: um, <laughs> obviously. Um, no, the next one's metal, which is responsible which for making like rations and high-rank rations and stuff
3: like and that. And morale, isn't it? So if it drops below 100%, then... Yeah, they, they're responsible for
1: feeding, obviously, the, the people in Mother Base as well, so you have to have that at a certain level. That, that balances out, you can't have one that's too high, you need to have your food high, otherwise they'll all starve, stuff like that. And the last one is Intel, that is responsible for certain types of, of weapons and equipment, I think it's mostly equipment.
3: Sonars and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. But yeah.
1: certain recruiting certain members of staff, especially high rank members of staff, they have different skills, underneath their their base ability before you have to collect certain ones that say have, one of them might have the Patriot, which is the weapon from Metal Gear Solid 3 which is the boss's weapon Um, one may have that, it's quite rare but you need them in order to um, create that weapon essentially and there's lots of different ones, there's ones that do shotguns there's handguns, you know there's sniper rifles, and then there's optical technology and then some that actually boost the development speed of that, so it's it's really multifaceted. I would actually really like to see them integrate that into future games, but far more mm. complex, you know, almost than a meta game in and of its own right. They could get it so complex. Yeah. The, know, it
0: immediately reminded me, starting to play it, of um, XCOM, you, you know, UFO mm. Enemy Unknown, the game that's currently being sort of remade by Firaxis for release later this year. And that mm. that was so cool. You know, the 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 fact that you could, this was obviously almost 20 years ago, but the fact that you were both managing your base and resources and building tech for the future and sending that very stuff out on missions. Yes. And I was really s- sort of pleasantly surprised to mm. see that in a Metal Gear game. Oh, absolutely. It, it, I didn't know that was from XCOM. That's, that's totally taken right
1: from that. That's fantastic. But it works incredibly well. get like, always The thing about this game is, apart from the, the overwhelming amount of, of uh, substance, you know, of... Uh, the mission briefings and, and audio logs and whatnot, there's so much going on underneath the surface. You know, it's not just basic. There's always a, multiple things to, well, to consider, you know, and it's
0: there's always something to do as an overall point here. It's, Absolutely. It's quite daunting, isn't it, actually? Initially, it, initially it's daunting. And yeah. I think the, the screens themselves are really quite confusing at first. There's yeah, a lot of weird sort of iconography and junk all over the screen. And now I just you know my brain filters out all this all the stuff that you don't need but initially you're just confronted with this block of icons and after every mission it seems to add another one and then it gives you a tutorial and initially it's like what the hell i I thought i was
2: playing metal gear but after a while yeah it's very much the sort of feeling you might get certainly i got when i first played uh probably fallout 3 was the first time since i came back to gaming i played a big rpg that was very stats based now some people would say it's quite streamlined but Mm. Um, you you first look at those menu screens and think, I don't know what half these figures are. Doesn't make sense. So you concentrate on the gameplay and you learn it as you go. And likewise here, first time I got any staff, I was just like auto assign. I'm never going to be interested. Yeah. Never going to be interested in working all this out. Auto assign. I want to play the game. I want my Metal Gear s- story. Huh. And it took five minutes, and I was nigh on their spreadsheet right. How am I yep. gonna work this all this out? You know, it was it just speaks to so, that See all that stuff that's
1: under in underneath the surface, like the the skills and all that. You only it's not essential to the game at all. You only approach that when on a need to know type basis.
0: The more you, know, you put in the more you get out though in terms absolutely. of finding all the secrets and well, stuff. absolutely. To
3: to to try to explain it to somebody that has no idea what we're talking about, it's once you you capture somebody or somebody um, you recruit somebody into your base, they they have a base set of skills. So if they if they're good at cooking, maybe they have an S for cooking. If they're good at military, they have a, a higher rank for military. But for the other ranks, uh, for the other things, if they're yeah. terrible at intel, they have an E. So clearly, you're not going to place them into intel because there would be a pointless resource. This is for also intel. All
0: displayed in handy red bars, yeah. which are easy to look at. It, um. Yeah. So, but what that
3: leads in? So, say you have your your hush puppy the first you know, the weapon you basically need for a, a lot of this game which is your trank dart um and you look at that and you'll look at this the hush puppy mark two so the next one you're going to need you'll know, say okay you have um this needs for research this needs an and R- D of 12 say uh, maybe an intel of seven and you look and you go okay well i have an D of 10 and an intel of four so i need to obviously booster those two things up to unlock the next weapon um so then you you capture these people or whatever they may be recruited to you and then you try to place them in there. Sometimes it's really frustrating because you just need one guy of a a decent rank to to get the next weapon and they don't seem to turn up for 10 minutes. Yeah, there's no (laughs)
0: way to sort of sort them either. Stuff like that could be added to a more uh, (laughs) comprehensive version of this. But So that's the basic form,
3: but what happens towards the back end of the game is that you can have, was it, 350 people into your base yeah, at one you time. Yeah, and
0: you can send back up to 100 people from any individual mission as well. That's how much you'll yes. be doing this.
3: So what, what you'll find out is quickly, actually, once you've kind of got towards the back end of the game and almost completed the story, that your base will be full to the overflowing point. And then you become really particular about which kind of person you need in the mission. So... You have this analyzer, for instance, that you, you go in and you're darts, you know darts a random soldier inside a mission. You analyze their body and they'll say, okay, well, they're at their highest rank is D. And you know, for instance, that every single um, ability you know um, to, to push R&D up or whatever canteen, they're all around the c mark because you've collected so many people. So you end up just leaving those guys on the battlefield where before you're collecting every single one. Like, okay, I need everyone for my base. Yeah. It's, and then you play with Paul and he's got all the high missions unlocked <laughs> and he'll get you a load of a rank guys, but it's, uh, it's, which will boost you up uh, even more. Yeah, and you can like, trade
0: stuff with other people as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much like um, uh, a loot-grabbing game. I think about like Borderlands where you start yeah. off and you're grabbing every gun around because it might be better than the one you've got. And before you know it, actually, you know exactly what the yeah. stats on the guns you regularly use are. And you'll hover over a gun and think, no not for me and just walk on by it. and you yeah. get to that point where you're literally cherry picking from the level all the stuff you or the people you think you need so-
0: and you tend to know if you're going into a later numbered extra ops that then it's probably more likely that there are a higher number of people who you might want to consider forcibly recruiting to your army
3: yes so this this plays into the main so the main story
0: part of the game um the
3: only real spikes are against the bosses and and what it suggests is that you play most of the bosses with four players which makes them relatively easy it has to be said um although you know Leon and me we were playing through this uh, in a co-op fashion just the two of us um and it those bosses are actually quite challenging and then quite fun what i have heard is that actually in single player if you were to attempt this without any help whatsoever those bosses can actually be a real pain uh, i know Paul you said some of the, the later ones um in particular, it can be anything from an hour. I, I was doing some research, and a lot of people have have given up on this game because they've hit just like the, the brick wall of constant you know and bear in mind as well if you're playing in co-op if you die you have somebody there to resuscitate yeah, you absolutely. and you can then but in single player if you die you die and you have to restart currently i don't know about the game. psp
0: version now probably not but on the ps3 certainly and i guess the 360 as well you can get randoms in to help you out you can set up mm-hmm. a, a lobby and have people join you or you can search for somebody else who's doing the same mission mm-hmm. to do it that way so i think i mean the whole the original psp game was very much set around a social uh, it didn't thing. have
3: online play unless you did ad hoc it didn't have, which was a kind of a yeah, it was bit only of a bitch to do party, anyway. So it was very, it was very specific. <laughs> so once again, Japanese, Monster Hunter yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. communities used Absolutely. to get together. That's why they, yeah. I think
1: that's why they sold it separately over in, because Peace Walker was quite big over there, wasn't it? So they didn't mm-hmm. include it in the HD collection. It was like a separate PS3 game. I'm pretty sure.
2: What, what I would say on that is um, I played through several of the the mini bosses, if you like the, um, helicopters and armored vehicles and tanks. Um, and I played through Pupa and I also played through separately. I played through Chrysalis with Uh all, but I also played through it separately on my own. Mm. What you tend to realize is that, um, as you were alluding to earlier, Tony, especially with the armored vehicles and tanks and things, they have a very specific pattern. And Mm -hmm. as long as you know what to expect from them and are, You've got your strategy down, Pat. It's not actually I that bad. I can manage any boss fight.
4: Yeah, well, uh, and, and
2: kind
1: of like the, uh, Tony, are you talking about the single player, like the, the story mode?
3: Yeah, well, once again, you know, approaching this, if you were, if you will, um a standard Metal Gear game that you're just going to play for the story, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't necessarily lend itself too easy for that. Um, what I will say, if once you've got over that, then there's tons of extra ops and stuff yeah. which have the ability, of course, of upgrading weapons. So what may be a very hard boss fight at the very start if you actually spend maybe a couple of hours or maybe slightly less working towards a slightly higher higher, higher R&D on a maybe a better rocket launcher for instance then what would seemingly be a hard boss fight at the very start becomes a slightly easier yeah. one because you've unlocked the better weapons now it's just a different way of approaching yeah, what essentially is you feel like as a metal gear game that actually is quite But
1: I think you were hitting on something that was a problem with the game. It's less so with uh, the PS3 and 360 versions with online, but um, playing single player, the story mode, the bosses are exceptionally difficult. And when you get to Cocoon, um that's a, that's a really dreadful boss fight, boss mm. fight. I, I don't think I actually managed it on single player first time, mm. and despite numerous uh, tries. It was exceptionally difficult, and you, you pretty much at that point you have to have at least one other player. It doesn't they they have more health with uh, other players, you know, if you've got four, uh, three uh, teammates, basically uh, uh, multiplied by three, um, so that doesn't make it easier per se, but it gives them someone else to shoot at, and that's what resuscitation makes it chance and as resuscitation, well. Resuscitation, yeah. exactly. So you then, can
0: share items. This is another thing we haven't talked about. You can sync up and mm-hmm. share each other's inventories. Uh, if you're in the uh, snake in, or it, well, no, if you're in the sphere of influence of the other person. Um, you get a combined health bar. Snake in is where you can actually just march around behind somebody, <laughs> and uh, just to yeah, like a human centipede to um, reduce your chances of getting spotted. Basically, um, there's 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 so much. This is you know this yeah. is why we knew, you know we're two and a half hours in uh, near enough, and we knew that this game would be a toughie too. Wow actually describe every single facet of it because
3: there's the basic level, bec- level because once you're out actually playing this in co-op or, or have an understanding of how this works you'll find out that in fact when you're you're because you replay a lot of um, content so once you've beaten the single player you can Very go back much. and obviously do those again but it doesn't get but boring That's, no, it, I don't it, know how
1: it does that I have no idea how
3: it manages <laughs> to keep it from getting boring because I'm doing exactly the same thing the extra ops ultimately um, happen mostly in the single player levels, but they change up, you know, patterns of soldiers and different things you have to do mm. in each of each ones. But the bosses, in particular, which is I think is a really interesting one, you find out and this shows you how deep this game is. but in fact, when you're killing these guys, you only want to target certain parts because this plays into another meta game oh, yeah. of um, not wanting to destroy certain parts in that machine um, because you need them back for your own metal gears ahead.
0: You've gone I ahead, of- well.
3: <laughs> true but we are quite deep i suppose so
0: well i was going to say before before we get onto that whole uh, side of things because that also again is is a little bit like in the monster hunter realm of things the uh taking parts from from a boss um yeah, no, actually, right, um, so uh, we've obviously, obviously, from a story point of view, we've talked about the fact that you end up building a Metal Gear Zeke, uh, which is ultimately a predecessor, or possibly even the very Metal Gear that you're supposed to fight at the end of Metal Gear 1 on the MSX in 1987, which is set in 1995, I can't remember now. Uh and yes, so these AI pods these and, uh, and the, the bosses themselves, as you say, they have parts, uh, some of which you want for yourself. So for instance, the Chrysalis, uh, the, f- the flying boss, um, has a railgun. And that is essential for your Metal Gear Zeke. So you fight that boss deliberately avoiding shooting off its railgun. All the, all the bosses have multiple areas that you can hit. Which damage both their software and their hardware i I guess you could say
2: yep mm-hmm. yep yeah, yeah, sure.
0: so uh when you finish fighting uh chrysalis from the air, if you haven't destroyed its railgun um you get into the pod, pull out the circuits for it for your own a i core and for various uh, and you get you also get some scrap metal which you can use towards parts, or you can get an entire unit for so there's uh yeah legs head uh Booster jets, armor, railgun, various other things, radar, of course. Raydom, yeah. uh, and you bolt these all together, and, and then you have a Metal Gear Zeke. Now, you need that for a couple of reasons. One, for that to trigger that end boss battle, and uh, which afterwards you can fight it again as in sort of uh, quasi simulation mode. But also for your outer ops, which uh, is another whole facet of <laughs> stuff. Um, so a lot of these. We've talked about the mini boss battles, not the ones with the big AI podded, uh, you know, super robot fly about things. But your general tanks, helicopters, armored patrol cars, etc. Any of these can be um, if you f- if you beat these uh, vehicles without destroying them, you get to keep them for your own army.
2: It's essentially this game's version of the stamina kill that you have for bosses in in some yeah. of the other Metal Gear games. Mm. You have to be very tactical about it, and and uh, all of these vehicles have uh, soldiers inside them that they will throw out, and they'll have f- groups of four soldiers protecting them at any one time. If you take them down, lethally or non-lethally, um, it will then spew out another four, and eventually it will run out of soldiers, and the captain, the driver, will pop his head out, and then you can take him down, saving the vehicle for yourself.
0: Once you've got the vehicle, it goes back to your base. You can have any, well, there is a limit, but you can have a number of each of types of vehicle. There are many different kinds of tanks, many different kinds of helicopter, each with different loadouts themselves. Um, You send them back to your base, they repair themselves, or your your guys, in theory, repair them. And then you can send them out, along with your trained troops, onto outer ops. Now, there are, are how many of these in total? Hundred and something again, probably.
2: Yeah, I'm halfway through them, and yeah, easily and done fifty, I would think. Yeah, yeah. 100. So these guys, I, like I think they
0: start at C rank, maybe, and go all the way up to S plus plus rank. Um, and this is where the game is kind of like uh, Football Manager, basically. So <laughs> you uh, you send out your team, and you can uh, watch the results come in uh, in the style of sort of a Fire Emblem or Advance Wars style. Yeah. uh very simple graphically or you can have a text commentary uh and they
3: shot so you lose half a
0: bar you shot they lose half a bar that's the sort of thing yeah. um yeah. and they're <laughs> really fun as well <laughs> <laughs> um so that's another thing that will be taking up your time
3: once again earning gmp for you as well as a, a spending currency for the upgrading weapons that you're learning for r&d and yep. there's,
1: there's and again, armor and stuff you can there's a special items yeah Yeah, there's bullets there's um
2: and and you also recruit more staff as well
1: yeah you can recruit staff depending on how big your heroism is
3: so yeah so it's not just a pointless well here's another little mini game it's actually a a thing for unlocking certain items which you can't get in any
0: other place and of course you need to do it all for your platinum (laughs) uh So, yeah, that's another thing. Um, other, what well, other things? Uh, well, there's, yeah, I mean, we talked about sort of the, the way the regular game plays. Um, I guess, you know, you can imagine the sort of thing you're in ruins, you're sneaking in jungles, you're yeah. sniping people, knocking them out. But on top of all the general regular uh, stealth action type gameplay, you've also got a bunch of uh, quirky and kooky extra ops, including hold-up missions where you use only a banana and you can only use the hold-up Command, which is slightly different to in other games. Uh, There's one where you find a load of ghosts, uh, and there's some Easter eggs associated with that. There are dates to go on, one with Paz and one with Kaz. Awkward. Awkward. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the date with Paz in my summary. So (laughs) Uh, there's uh, there's three at least based on the 1982 Konami coin up called Puyan. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and you can have a long conversation about that obviously the game is set eight years before that game came out but that doesn't stop it having the tune from the game and the uh and the font uh while you're shooting men on balloons from the air very jaunty very jaunty and uh and then there's the legendary monsters as um paul alluded to the monster hunter stuff uh i can't is there more have i forgotten any of the quirky ones there's all kinds of
2: Oddness. I think you've, you've covered a, a good enough range that I'm sure people yeah, can imagine yeah. that it's not 130 missions of sneak in, take out exactly. this guy. It, nah. It's very, very varied.
0: There's a lot of, yeah. And some of them are, some of them are real heavy shoot em ups and some of them are very much you can only sneak. And if you're spotted, yeah. there's ones where you have to blow up cargo, there's ones where you have to protect your own items, so on and so forth. Yeah,
3: defend your base.
0: Weird. Uh, another little aspect that we haven't talked about is uh, in co-op, uh, the comms, as well as um, we should say, the netcode on the PS3 version is excellent. Once you once you get together, um, you get the occasional connection error when you're trying to join, but once you're in, it's smooth as butter in yeah. all our experiences. We've all got good connections, but uh, it's been excellent. Um, the comms and now, obviously, this is again based orig- around the original PSP, so there's a there's a, a, a quite a comprehensive um, button pressing comm system, but this ties in with this uh, Kotodama. Paul, oh, would you care to explain Kotodama? Hmm? I have no, no okay. idea what you're talking about. No, oh, I thought as it had a Japanese name, you'd be all over it like a cheap suit. Kotodama? Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the science or the art of uh, bolstering your colleagues' uh, confidence by uh, saying the right thing to them at the right oh, time. So, yeah, it's the,
1: the art of like, words have power, essentially. They have, have power. They have a, it doesn't mm-hmm. really translate well into English, apparently, but. It's no. meaning the study of certain words and their their spiritual yeah. Uh, quality. Yeah, that's right.
0: Basically, you know, like when a basketball team will huddle around and go "Whoa, go!" Whoever it's like that. Only only a bit more uh, yeah. spiritual. And Americans um, do hooraz. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but you can unlock more powerful versions of your words. So you might start off with a "You can do it." And then You're making our, this
2: sound very Skyrim-esque, more powerful versions of, of your shouts. Yeah, there's no actual <laughs> shouting
0: or, yeah, there's no connect support either. Um, but no, uh, it's, it's, it's the pressing of a button, so uh, you end up with stronger versions of, of the same things which will make your troops uh, less afraid or it'll make them shoot better or it'll make them act in a more intelligent fashion or depending on what you say to them. So that's, that's a whole other tranche of sort of sub- meta gameplay there although I've barely touched it the only time I've used the speech really was in the date with Paz trying to get an S-rank
1: the speech the common things do work but they also some of them stop you getting an S-rank as well which is kind of rubbish
2: oh didn't know that so, so am I right in saying this actually let's say ups the health or, or increases the accuracy of your co-op partner yes. or, right? of, of everyone site, yeah. yeah right yeah okay
0: Yep, yeah, it's the psych. You've got a psych bar, mm-hmm. which you can yes, actually okay. I've never had to replace any psych. Nah. Um, no. Um you, you you create items, uh mate, the tea, and uh tortilla chips and things. Actually, that's a snack. But um, and, uh, um Oh, and I also found another Easter egg today, didn't even know about this, playing one of the Puyan EX ops, uh look round behind me and there was a barbecue. Um, took a ration over to it, roasted it on a spit, waited until um, it just looked nicely, and took it off and got a trophy for, trophy. for having yeah. well cooked a ration.
1: Yeah, that's straight from Monster Hunter, where you during a during a battle with of course yeah. a, a, a monster, you sit down at the the spit basically and roast yep. some ham, and it gets turned into well done ham, and it's fantastic. Um, it replenishes replenishes your health more.
0: Yeah, but again, just more and more stuff.
3: Yeah, and it's it's fair to say, in fact, you you get like any game, it encourages you to play better and better. But I think you know we were at the very start of the game, we were. You know, bumping our way a little bit through the missions as we we're getting to grips with it and, you know, working understanding the mechanics. And time we'd come back and and tried those missions again. Right at the very start, we were doing them in like well, it seemed like thirty seconds, just like mm. popping off people's heads. Done. Move on. Next one. Um. You know, and it it, it is a, it, I think it's actually a decent difficulty curve.
0: And I'm still developing kit. Thirty-five hours in, I've still got mm-hmm. plenty of items to get. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm guessing that Paul, on a hundred and something hours, you must have most of the items now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I've got them all. Well, yeah. it was only just uh, what this week that you got hold of the uh, electro uh, net. Yeah, the, the electromagnetic
1: net. net. That's right. <laughs> Again, it was one of, one of the staff that I would recruited. I had them in my Intel, I think, and they had to be in R and D, and they had the ability to create an electromagnetic net thing it's like a grenade that you throw that in a tank mission um you can basically trap the tank and then uh, Fulton it out <laughs>
0: essentially uh, yeah i was going to say another amazing device you can get along those lines is uh what we haven't sort of said uh, so is that you have to actually touch people or be able to touch them to to fulton rescue them for most for the most part but uh you've got like a fulton gun or a fulton cannon haven't you
4: Yes.
1: Shoots parachutes. At them. Yeah, it's a missile launcher basically, and it yeah, fires out. I don't know, fil- and fil- fil- stuff. On, yeah. So rather <laughs> then, than going yeah. <clears throat> to,
0: through the trouble of shooting them until they're tranked or or close quartering them until they're stunned, you just walk onto the battlefield and just shoot them, and they just get hoiked up <laughs> in the air by a helicopter. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: yeah. and with that, with the bandana as well, and because it, on the tank missions. As James was saying, they release certain amounts of, of enemies that you mm-hmm. have to try and incapacitate in order for the captain to come out for you to take him out to steal the tank. Yep. In some missions there's like ninety nine of those. So each one each one of you has to have you know fifteen. Quite yeah, you can only take like fifteen Filtons with you, so you essentially need to use them along with the Filton mines. It's like a like a, a mine, like a claymore type thing that blows up and parachutes them all out at the same time or you use a filter launcher basically so they can get pretty well, long
3: what was a lovely moment for both leon and me was quite early on in the game we we met our first kind of sub-boss tank thing and we were like oh three star this is going to be or three skull this is going to be quite hard um and an extra guy jumped into our game because it was anything up to four players and we're like oh okay we're a little bit nervous like okay we've been playing it's just the two of us and this guy comes in all of a sudden. I've disappeared because he's put this. I, I assume the, right. It's the stealth. In, in it's gun that yeah. I just unlocked today. Yeah. yeah, which I now have. So I understand. But suddenly I disappear, <laughs> and he's, he's shooting the people with that Fulton and gun. And we're, we're looking at each other. like, what is going on? Like, none of the none of this stuff we have. And this boss went down like almost instantaneously with the the higher weapons he was using on our level. But it gave us a a, a glimpse of what would be in maybe in twenty to thirty hours time of. How badass that essentially we may the
0: be developing. Constant drip feed of great. tech is 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 excellent. Really keeps yeah. you going. And there's been but s- that, sorry, Paul.
1: Go. But I was just going to say that guy who jumped into your game probably had ninety nine and nine all resources and R and D and probably mm. had all the weapons. What was he doing going into a three skull mission? Oh yeah, showing off. Zero reward from him. He'll have. He'll pretty much have maxed out everything. That boss wouldn't have offered him any spare parts or anything like that. He had no place. You know, he was just doing it to mess about, and that's what makes
0: it so much
3: fun. It was a great moment though, because we just we laughed at each other.
0: Wow, had quite a few uh, LOL moments uh, throughout the game, which is Mm -hmm. always a good sign for me. Um, Obviously, co-op engenders that more than solo play generally, but. the first time you set uh, you Fulton a POW rather than a, a someone you stunned, and they go <laughs> who or whatever yeah. and there's a few different ones um the first time so really
4: you...
0: oh sorry on you go I was going to say the first time we played with you, uh, Paul, and you got into a cardboard box that had a blue flashing light on the top because it was an ambulance <laughs> box. Yeah, because I was dead on the floor, and you just went. Okay.
4: Yeah, it's
2: worth taking the time just to say there's so many different types of cardboard box in here, and they're all so funny. Tank one, bale of hay tank.
0: They're all they're all love boxes because you can have more than one person in the same box at the same time, which is great.
1: Yeah, it's it's utterly crazy. There's also a weapon. There's there's loads of different weapons, but there's this one called a musket. That has this. Is, this is just to go to my overall point of saying the amount of animations that they have put into this is utterly astounding. Mm. There's this one where it's a musket, right? It's a huge rifle, a musket essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And if you fire it, there's a, there's a trophy for this. You uh, you fire it at, a, at an enemy, occasionally. A storm will... It's so weird. You, you, I don't really want to spoil it, but it's almost as if a, a twister comes up and takes them away. <laughs> like a
0: Bioshock-type weapon sort of thing.
1: Yeah, well, I've not, I've not played Bioshock. What? But. <laughs> Get off of my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have actually. I've played it for about 10, about half an hour. I really didn't like it that much. Anyway, but in the, in, with that musket, <laughs> there's no other reason to use it that it's completely useless, but as the full... Reload animation of him taking yeah, it out the big rod, putting in the really? ball, wow. pushing down the ball, taking yeah. it out. And it's it's uh, how many people are going to use that and see that? It's never going to be used, but they've taken the time mm-hmm. in order to create all all those animations. Mm-hmm. And it happens throughout the game. There's just so much, wow. a huge, vast array of weapons. Sadly, there's no real reason to use any other weapons apart from the most powerful, <laughs> which is like uh, maybe three or four you know, that you will always go to. And it's a shame that you can't jump in and out and, and try out different weapons and stuff because they're, they're nowhere near as, as useful as the other ones. That's, that's something that I find quite a, quite a, a shame, really, because I would like to go in and, and try out all the different weapons and get them leveled up and stuff like that.
3: So what's got me is, like, clearly this game kind of entranced all of us, and we've all, you know, between us, we've put ridiculous amount of hours, you know, over the last, like, ten days, <laughs> is not it? Um... And like none of this stuff, and it even had a Metal Gear logo, you know, name on the front of it. Like, so surely that should have pushed a number of copies. But I've I've barely heard any of this stuff ever heard, uh, mentioned anywhere else. And Paul, yes, you talked a little bit about it on Twitter as and when it's released. But I think you're about the only one. I'm surprised this game hasn't been pushed more up to you know the the top of the pack. If if that makes sense, it's, I
1: think it's one of the it is one of the best selling games on PSP. It's certainly in like the top three. I can't remember what the first one... uh, Crisis Core was one of them. Um, But then it's Peace Walker. I mean, it sold just shy of two million, I think. It it, Mm -hmm. has sold really well, but I I have absolutely no reason why, you know, in the West. Even uh, Ardent kind of... Even people I know who like Metal Gear didn't really get into it that much. It's weird because it it is an incredibly good game and, again, it's just a handheld, you know.
2: I mean, we've talked about it a little bit earlier on that Metal Gear is maybe seen as a full console release, and this was maybe therefore seen. It wasn't number five, it was seen maybe as a a sort of side story that could be skipped, it wasn't really essential. It was referred
1: to as Peace Walker, you know, it wasn't referred to as Metal Gear Solid, Peace Mm. Walker, people just called it Peace Walker, and it made it feel like it was a kind of alternate Mm. A guide universe rather than a a guide basically.
2: But the other thing is, don't forget, it was released in 2010, and yes, the PSP has been... More or less successful, and has, certainly in terms of number of consoles sold. Mm. But by that point, oh, the PSP was on anymore. its way. Um, yeah, five five the years it had been
0: out at that point as well, you know, and it was yeah. never a it was never a massive success outside of Japan. So, no. yeah, it's not surprising really. I'd uh, be
1: curious as to see how many people actually played the game on PSP, you know, and or like logged on online mm. to play it because the PSP was obviously so easily hacked. And I know the people, a lot of yeah. people I was playing with, you know, we could release. Uh, hadn't purchased the game.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Yes, piracy was rife on the PSP.
1: That oh, was, it was dick-
0: ridiculous. Um, but a lot of people must have must've bought this HD collection, and but I, mm-hmm. I, I suspect that a lot of people were probably like me, which was, uh, you know, kind of, that was the, very much the the last option on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just... Very <laughs> overshadowed
1: mm. by something we all know and love. I mean, yeah. be, go, going mm. up against any game, going up against Metal Gear Solid 3, you know, it is not going to be seen favorably, basically, because yeah. that is, personally, I would say that's probably my, my favorite. It's certainly one of my favorite mm-hmm. games, you know. It's an incredible, monumental uh, mm-hmm. thing in gaming, so to go up against that, that's a bit of an unknown. I think that was, I think they probably should have left it out and maybe resold it on PSN or sold it as a.
0: HD a on budget. the Vita, maybe, done Basic, an HD handheld version or something like that. Basically, yeah. But I'm glad I they didn't because I yeah, probably wouldn't yeah. have got around to playing it either because I don't have a Vita or a PSP. So
4: yeah. It'd be also, interesting. My, my,
3: I'd love to have seen Portable Ops just put in there, even in its yeah. you know, maybe not even an up-risk form of it, just some sort of form that I had access to that I'd, if I didn't own a PSP, essentially I could have most of the collection. Mm. Uh,
0: so let's do our three-word reviews. <laughs>
4: Review, review, Uh,
0: and I think it's fair to say that this is not even a review of the game, so much as it's a review of the podcast. (laughs) Because Mormon Rage, uh, three-word review: more Metal Gear. Less Mick, Uh, winky smile. I think he was. uh, Yeah, I think that was more aimed at us than than the game. Uh, Maybe a bit of both.
1: Maybe he meant an exclamation mark at the end of that. Yeah, it was a question
0: mark, surely. It, more metal gear?
1: That, yay, <laughs> it, more it may gear. have actually had an
0: uh, exclamation mark originally. I can't remember. More metal gear, please. Uh, so, <coughs> have, we, have we talked about all the aspects we need to outside of our summaries? I think it's probably time for us to yeah. uh, wrap up our own feelings on the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Uh, who would like to go
2: first? Um, I guess my summary is that um, story wise, I think it has its, its problems, um, but for a game this big and mechanically right up there as, as one of my favorites amongst the metal gear games I've played. Um, I think it's got so much going for it that I think the reason it was included in the HD collection is because I think Kojima is rightly proud of this game. I think Mm -hmm. he has got so much to be proud of the, the polygons may be slightly less detailed, um, Paul actually pointed out to me that Snake's face, although it's very, very well uh, sort of uh, created in the game, it never moves. And it's not until someone actually points that out to you that you think, oh, yeah, okay. Um, There's all these sort of hallmarks of of things that maybe suggest that they were put in simply to... um, because it was a PSP game and they had to make concessions. And I think we were talking about earlier, I would almost argue... um, whether the way the game is is because it was on PSP or were design decisions that Kojima really wanted to put into the game is kind of, it's a moot point, it's a chicken-and-the-egg conversation. The point is that this game is perfectly suited um, not only to the Metal Gear series, uh, but to playing it portably, and it works really well on a console. Uh, And the co-op aspect of it is as much fun as I've had in a co-op game ever it it is an incredible achievement that this came out on a PSP and to now have the op- opportunity to play it on the big screen is just wonderful really pleased to play it
1: my summary of the game would be as an experience as the whole the whole game itself it's just you know we're always going to say that's a caveat you know for a PSP game it's good for a PSP game. No, it's absolutely bloody astounding that this exists and is on was on the PSP to begin with. The layers the, the the vast amount of uh attention to detail of love in this game is just un unthinkable. You know, and the mission briefings I was saying I'm actually a real big fan of those because they go into a lot of detail into expressing the characters and some of my favourite characters now have come from this game. especially uh, Kaz Miller. I think I think he's a fantastic kind of alternative to previous games where, you know, Snake would have uh, Otacon beside him, essentially, you know, this this blunt... No, he's not an idiot, obviously, he's a bit of a genius, but uh, as the social liability, essentially. And in this one, he's he's got an easier... as this, this womanising, exceptionally strong military expert. You know, and I think that, that plays a good dynamic, and there's a real kind of... a uh, homoeroticism between the two of them that I really like as well, um, that's not really explored in any other games. And uh, It's just... There's so much detail, there's so much love and there's so much to unearth in this, and if you play it and you get into it you will be rewarded, you will want to play it you'll want to repeat missions again and again and again, and it's hard to explain why if this was any other game, you know you'd be like oh it's getting a bit boring, but it doesn't, you can keep replaying it, and it's the the atmosphere, the sights, the sounds, the music is incredible as well Um, this is a perfect kind of hybrid between a portable game and a console game, and I think I think it'll be absolutely perfect on the on the Vita. Maybe future games mm. that can elaborate on it, but for this game to have come out two years ago, it's just an absolute masterpiece. I think
3: for a, a
1: handheld system.
3: <laughs> your your point on the Vita actually, I I wasn't. Obviously, it's out on the Vita, and it's, you can buy it for about twenty pounds at the moment. So it's relatively cheap. Like Metal Gear Solid Two didn't didn't make me feel like I needed to pick up on the Vita, nor did three. Um, but this one in particular, with the transferring mode. It's made me think. Okay, I want to spend an extra twenty pounds on but this. This and isn't actually, on the HD like, it's
1: collection, of the Vita. Oh, no. Well, no That's supposed to be. have to ask, there. Yeah, because it's no. only two and three that are on the yeah. HD clutch. Yeah. it was This really is separately.
2: this is still available on PSN, but it's the PSP version yeah. to download, and it's about. Seems odd then. 14, 15 why not? It doesn't it. have
1: the analog
0: stick. It wasn't then. worth. It no. wasn't worth them financially uh, updating the uh, uh, an already handheld version, and also it may have damaged. Sales,
2: so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it already works on the Vita. It may not be perfect, but yeah, as Leon says, it just it, it would have been a lot of work for not much return. There's a given bit of a
0: about it, obviously for obvious reasons, because Vita owners feel like they're paying for you know one less they get one less game for the same money, but um, it's cheaper. Can, it say. is it cheaper, and you can buy you can buy a Peace Walker for about six pounds, seven pounds. Well, then in, I revise that. It will make me want to buy Peace Walker itself. I'm
3: interested to try this on the handheld outside of um, playing it on Just my Just keep the game going, going. Same one. I must say, it
1: plays. It's, it was a much better experience on the PSP, you know, with the, the cutscenes and stuff. It cuts mm-hmm. the pixelation on, on the, the artwork. The artwork itself in the cutscenes is really, really well done. Yeah, it is. Like, see, mm-hmm. if you try and emulate that very... I was, I was talking to James about this uh, yesterday. Yeah. If you try and emulate that art style... Yourself as an artist, it is exceptionally difficult mm. because each each line, if you if you mess that up, it just looks off. It just looks odd. Mm. Things don't look right. The balance of tones and the. the uh, The stress and the lines and the the calligraphic kind of nature of it it's so immensely difficult i can tell you i've tried to emulate it numerous times (laughs) and i'm still trying um shinkawa did it as well but this is by ashley wood on the psp Mm. they looked perfect they looked incredibly Mm. well done they had a real substance to them a real kind of almost a kind of tactile look the blacks looked solid and they were clean however on the big screen they're really badly pixelated um, I thought they'd the, like, done
0: a pretty good job, actually. Oh, they have.
1: They did. They have. It's not. It's not bad per se, but it's just compared. Right. It's just there's there's yeah. a difference basically, and you can see it in the handheld. It's more compact. It's way more forgiving. But in the PS3 version, it looks kind of flatter, and it's got a weird kind of kind of cardboard cutout look about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't suit that style. Basically, does not suit the, the big screen. That has to be said. It looks kind of. At odds, still effective, I think, but still looks at odds. Um, and there's some background stuff going on with the pixelation, and it essentially looks like a series of squares that you would only you only notice a very few bits. But um, on the smaller screen, it does. It's way more forgiving, and it looks a lot better. But the control scheme on the, the and the sixty frames as well on the um, on the TV is fantastic. So. Yeah. There's no wrong version to play. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Sorry, I get sidetracked. Whenever talking about art, I always it's, get It's
2: worth just quickly saying that the the art style we're talking about in the in the cutscenes I'm not sure we've said previously is a kind of hand drawn in that kind of uh, messy sketch style, and that's mm-hmm. why Paul's mm-hmm. saying it's difficult to do because it looks like someone's just sat down and done a rough sketch. Mm-hmm. And that's but the biggest compliment it, you could do. Than that, that's the biggest yeah.
1: compliment you could give an artist who does that because it's very difficult to make it look so good and yeah. the lines look so loose and and free looking yeah you know to make it look as if it's easy is the biggest compliment because it's not
3: tony i find this one hard to to tackle because i think if if you looked at it as a standard game against the others i i don't think the story is as deep although it has some really interesting uh, crossover paths with the uh, the boss and and the big boss of where they end up which i really enjoyed but it 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 feels it feels a little shallow in that respect um and some of the presentation along with that was like it it you know it doesn't quite gel with with the rest of its maybe years younger brother in, in this point because it is the last game to be made but taken out of that which i think you have to because you know you know need to know where its roots are um i don't think like that stuff there was in, in clearly important because they had i think they had to include some story elements and stuff but the actual more complex meta game stuff which i wasn't expecting to be in this game really really actually took over me um it plays well into the gameplay, like it, it misses some stuff like you can't crawl, um, and you can't like hide people in lockers, so sometimes the gameplay feels a little bit basic. But the amount of depth that you have from the extra Ops and um, you know replaying the story missions, going, trying to find parts and stuff like that, in some respects, it's almost the most accessible. I feel like any Metal Gear game has been, because you can actually learn a lot of the more basic stuff and, and then progress and you know if you put the time in you'll be set for any other Metal Gear that you attempt later on because I think it has most of that basic stuff. I think it does a good job of reducing you that. But at the same time, it's probably the most complex any Metal Gear game has been because it has all that extra stuff. So it's a real diverse title. And one I'm really thankful I actually got around to playing because, to be honest, it probably would have just been left on my HD collection and I would have finally played free and probably been happy about it. So, uh, yeah, I, I really took a lot from it. And the fact that you could play through it co-op, which is quite a big deal to be honest um I had a really good time with that so thoroughly recommend it for me if you can um and you you've got a group of people that you know you can play this with I'd recommend it maybe doing it that way than, than tackling it single player because I think you'll get a lot more more enjoyment from that but uh yeah like everyone else has said yeah i fully recommend this game
2: really really good. Just, just really quickly on that, we haven't actually mentioned versus ops I was ops just either. about to say exactly the same thing. There's a whole
0: <laughs> apart from the uh, hundred and plus hours of uh, single player game. There's actually a, a never-ending versus mode as well. If people continue to play it, uh, Paul, you put any anyone put any time into this? Yeah, versus ops is really good. Actually, very kind of stripped back. It's all the maps that you've encountered, obviously. But... You unlock maps as you play through the game, don't you? Uh, by doing missions it's quite it says quite often after you 've done an extra op, you can now play this map in versus ops
1: yeah and and some of the fatigues and stuff you can only use in extra ops, but yeah uh, sorry mm. versus ops mm. um but it 's basically six players lobby you know you can you can set it up as two v two or red versus blue, and there 's only three modes there's team there 's deathmatch, team deathmatch, um a kind of base capture the base type thing and essentially capture the flags the other one capture the Kitzel.
4: Okay.
0: Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, you know how long this will have a community for online. Although now that Metal Gear Online has been terminated, maybe some of those people have moved over to Peace Walker Online. If they're absolutely insane Metal Gear heads, uh, there were not loads and loads of people on when I looked the other day, but there were some. You could get a game. So, and again, you know, you only need a few friends with it to to play online. So. Yeah, crikey, as if there wasn't enough to do with this game. Uh, This game for me has been one of the most pleasant surprises of the year because I was expecting a short, not particularly inspiring game and I got a, a long, really cool game that I really enjoy. And the fact that you are building Outer Heaven and the original Metal Gear and you are becoming the antagonist of... 1987's Metal Gear is really cool to me. And I think it would have been even cooler if I'd been somebody who played Metal Gear one at the time on the MSX. So if there was, if this was like uh, the precursor to a franchise that I've been invested in since the eighties, I think that would have been even more Mm. amazing. Um, I like the fact that this is a game you can play on a number of levels. You can just rattle through the main story in a relatively brief sort of 17 hours. You could do, twice that much and get the proper ending and do more of the extras as well. Or you can do as Paul here has done and play for a hundred plus hours, well over a hundred hours to try and complete every single thing, unlock everything, find every secret, see every Easter egg. There is a ton of stuff to do and see in this game. I spent several hours this afternoon, just listening to the briefing files on tape. There is hours and hours of voice acting in this game, as well as everything else. Um, But a little fly in the ointment for me has to be the depiction of female characters – in Kojima games once again and particularly I think this has the most offensive example in the case of one of the uh, extra ops is Date With Paz as we mentioned. For sexual equality's sake that you can also go on a Date With Kaz um, I haven't un- actually unlocked that one yet I don't think. Um, the Date With Paz, the standard version is sort of just the usual mildly sexist and patronising um, in that you take her photo and make her pose and And you put a tuxedo on and you say sweet nothings to her and talk to her and eventually she'll get in a box with you and hearts will appear. And it's kind of it's very cheesy, sort of, you know, typically sort of like a, you know, sort of dating sim with a box in it, Uh, a bit naff and a bit. A bit sexist, but nothing you could call misogynistic, probably, Um, however, there's another version of this date uh i don't know exactly how you unlock this version but i know that it's possible and i suppose there's the argument that this is all optional but there's a lot of this this stuff is in the game paz appears pretty much every time she appears and for the most of the par- most of the part of the game you believe she's a 16 year old girl that turns out not to be true she's she's about 19 so I, hey she's fair game for anything right uh the first time you see her in a cutscene, you're invited to zoom in. And of course, being a gamer, you press the zoom in button when prompted and you see her bra and panties. Uh, later in the game, in the final boss, she gets in the Metal Gear in her bra and panties. And in the extra version of this EX uh, Extra Ops date, she's in her bra and panties. And if you want to fail the date, uh, now, again, you don't have to do any of this. Um, But it's in there and it's for comedy value, sexual assault. You can press the R1 button and you grab her tit and she slaps you. You can interrogate her. You can chase around a beach while she calls you a creep. Uh, And don't forget, you're a sort of 40-year-old bearded man. Um, It's really fucking weird and creepy and quite offensive and I don't much care for it. And it's kind of a shame because it's
3: such a hang up all the games there mm-hmm. but this we keep, is we keep example, having though. to come this, back is to it. It. this
0: is easily if you watch the video of people going through what? the interrogation of paz where she's in her pants you're in your you're in your boxes or whatever you kick her you kick her in the shins grab her by the throat and threaten her with an electric prod to make her tell you that she's robbed the canteen of some rations it's re- in what well, it's just oh and
3: I mean, I'm no point condoning that until <laughs> it's what I'm saying it's, nice. a, it's a major issue that has plagued the entirety of the series up to this point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it, 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 there is no, once again, you know, we were saying this earlier, like, for me, um, Metal Gear Solid 3 and the Eva scene about you know, zooming into a breast mm. and then what is potentially a strong female character is completely... Um, <laughs> Derailed, I guess, is <laughs> lack of a better word. That, like, because she can't has a breastset.
0: Well, th- 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 I'm less uncomfortable with that, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I am less uncomfortable with that because she's encouraging she it. it. yeah. Uh, whereas in in this particular date scene, uh, you've got this very very small, bone china like uh sort of jail baitish sort of woman, regardless oh, of what age she's yeah. supposed to be. And you are chasing her around. It's it's like, you know, it's it's like Benny Hill, only with more threat. It's uh, it's. You don't have to chase her around. I think,
1: I think that's a bit of a saving grace. You can, but the choice it's, is it's yours true. to chase her. She runs away from. It if you go in on that date with, I'm it's not, true. I'm not justifying this at all. I think it's, I think it's really shit. I, I don't think it's a, it's the it's comedy big sexual issue I just that, think it's, that I have the most problem yeah, with. you, you don't no, have to it, chase yeah. her. It's true. I, I, I think that's really, I think it's just badly done I think it's shit. Essentially, but you don't have. She does when you go in on your with your
0: trunks, she does run away from you. She does, and and she, she runs out of the level, but then, but then again, you know, <clears throat> this is classically fucked up. You'll chase her, she'll say, Get away from me, you creep, and then she'll turn around and say, Actually, you do have You've a rather a nice, nice body. body. Yeah, really, that's bizarre, really fucking <laughs> creepy.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, it's done really badly. And I the it's fact just that she terrible. has
0: umpteen built in scripted responses that Tara Strong in the english version recorded for you know like get off me stop it you're hurting me and all this stuff it's really not very nice
3: i i guess for me I, like I, I don't know i haven't done this well, so i just like to um, say i i guess like i guess like it's hidden away in know an, an extra opposite it doesn't make it any worse or better but the for me the either thing is because it undermines her as a main character of the of the series well, you could say that I, about I, I Paz as well kind of well, at the very end, the one where she's in a mech dressed in her underwear makes no sense no. whatsoever. But- and yes, James, I know it's hot in there for our <laughs> conversation <laughs> earlier, but, but that—that's that,
2: the—that's the—that's supposed to be the reason if that that's it's the happening But, that's but, a but shit Let's face rationale. it, me, me, me as much as anyone else here, I have severe problems with some of the the the. Possibly optional, but is it really optional when they tell you to press R one and then yeah. it zooms mm. in mm. and it's a screen prompt? We're prompt. <clears throat> we we're trained to follow GTS well, prompts, and uh, do especially it. as um,
0: in a lot of those cutscenes. If you don't follow the screen prompt, you get marks taken off you in in your ranking. So yeah. it's a, it's um, a complete swiz. I mean, it is optional, but you don't know that.
2: Yeah. What I would say is there's attempts to explain it, and there's there, and it's certainly I think in the case of that pass date. Uh, it, extra op mission I think the intent is supposed to be humorous but it's about as far from humorous as I could imagine, I don't, th- I don't find yeah, anything particularly like, funny about in it.
1: In every Jackie Chan movie you know he always does that comedy thing where he's, he's trying to protect them, but he accidentally grabs her breasts, he makes this really ridiculous face a- and then they slap him it's a, it's a total Jackie Chan thing mm. but um, my yeah. problem with that is she was, up until that point, and before she betrayed you she was acting like such an innocent yeah, like just a, a angelic yeah. young young girl. Even she was acting kind of younger than sixteen. Yeah, you know? definitely. Like, yeah. butter wouldn't melt. You know, she was totally innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and the bit where you you, you grab her, bread. You can do that when she's wearing her, her full uniform. You know, mm. it's not just in the pants. But yeah, and then she she does slap you and she does knock you out. It's it's shit, and the, it really there's no place being there. It's not even. And
0: regardless funny, of like, what age she's supposed to be, whether it's twelve or forty two, like. Uh-huh. Just grabbing a woman's yeah. tit uninvited is is a sexual assault. No, <laughs> well,
4: not once again,
3: me. like this this doesn't make it right, but once is it just lost in cultural translation again?
0: Yeah, they, so. they, it doesn't. It doesn't that, excuse see, that it. that sounds like, rather like you say that the Japanese have enjoyed it and and are okay with sexual assault. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. But part of their culture.
3: To it, uh, see that, whatever way I, I yeah. word There's, that, you're correct. I, I, I think Leon's right. There is an underlying current yeah. to enjoying with
1: the thing with Ava. With the difference is, I said that she was older, and it is slightly that she's older. It's slightly more acceptable, but you don't you don't grope her. You just you mm-hmm. leer. Mm. and she has got them on show Do you know what i mean she's got her she's got her outfit it's different down, and she's I got think... her, her her silver bikini on i mean the fact that she's got that in the first place is different but you are just leading you don't grow up. and she is a quite a strong sexual kind of person that's part of her persona and there's the whole
0: bond thing going on in that game yeah. and and she's a vamp she's yeah. a femme fatale it it is the context is different like the bbc or the bbfc always talk about context and the context of the date in peace walker is just not in any way a justification for Snake's behaviour.
1: On the flip side, the Kaz one's really funny, and that's, I'd right. much prefer that, because...
0: <laughs> Is it not homophobic it can, at all? Homophobic? No, not, not in the slightest. Is it, it's a, yeah. t- pro homo Pro-homo. Pro-homo. Yeah,
1: you know, definitely. <laughs> um, cool. you, like, you, you grab him, um, you, seek, you see him, you have a fight with him, you knock him out, ah. and when he wakes up, he goes oh, and he gets a love heart above his head. So clearly, mm-hmm. he, you know, he likes a bit of rough. And... Okay. You know, he goes in the love box with you. As
0: long as it's consensual, it's fine. That's The issue is where it's not... Absolutely. Um, It's it's frustrating because they're
3: they're too just... I mean, in particular this game, those scenes could be taken out and have no impact whatsoever on this. Yeah.
2: But but I mean, I I think it's most egregious here, but that's kind of the issue I have with a lot of what we've talked about and what you guys have talked about in other games. And it will come up again in Metal Gear Solid 4. I think... (laughs) for the sake of buttoning up a shirt on the front of a female character, it, it, would it really kill the atmosphere of the game to do that? I, You know, in the next game, Leon, you'll see what I mean. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, right, I yeah. there's particular now, yeah.
2: examples that are bad, <laughs> about two particular characters that have no business beha- or uh, yeah. being... Well, when you think about, well, for
0: me, <laughs> a lot of the most attractive uh, video game characters, not that I'm the sort of person who masturbates over video game characters, but uh, people like Jade from Beyond Good and Evil and Alex from yeah. Half-Life 2, these are, it's not, about women the these it's are not, not women about with them. their tits yeah. out. You know, they're women wearing yeah. jeans and trainers, and 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 just being human beings rather than objects. And I, re- you know, I don't, I'm not pro censorship. I don't. I didn't like it in the days when JRPGs used to routinely get, you know, bars turned into coffee shops and prostitutes turned into flower sellers and all that kind of thing. Um, that's a backward step for me. But what I would say is, you know, fantastic game, but just Kojima, just don't, you know, just grow up as regards to women, really, you know, it's yeah. like Be remiss not to bring it up, that's the issue
3: I, yeah. just, I wish
1: yeah. like you know in the X drops with a date with pads, it's a real kind of unique um, mission it, it Wasn't that just like a fantastic opportunity to like maybe delve into some of the stuff that the the um the diaries dealt with, the mission briefings. Yeah. The audio logs is the word I'm looking for why looking for.
2: why not make it a chance for Snake to to literally get to know Baz better exactly or in, any in the other a, in the actual literal term of that phrase you know
1: yeah or or <laughs> maybe Cecile get to know her a bit better or yeah yeah why to not da- yeah. divulge some more of her her personality which is for me is a huge strength of the game is those audio logs as I've said you know mm. she comes across as a, a very interesting conflicted uh, complex character but just racked with guilt and and complex emotions and and conflicting emotions you know about what she wants to do and what's and she's maturing and getting to know the people in mother base and whatnot i think that was a really good opportunity to do that but what you're given with is meeting her on the beach and taking pictures of her as she poses for you it's just
2: yeah there's just a real discord there between between as you're saying paul some of the places they do go where they where they take you to deep character studies and then mm-hmm. on the other hand it's really discordant with with some of the the choices that are made in the representations of yeah. all of the characters in some cases i mean i think the way it's much less of, a, of an issue and it's just a choice but i think the the way that they they portray otacon as being a geek and therefore has to behave in this way has to be completely incapable of dealing with any kind of tension around them or conflict or anything like that is, is it's, it's
3: just a odd a standard staple of the entirety of the series. Every single yeah. game that we've gone through has even back in the, the MSX games, you know, we we talked about the changing in the bathroom, isn't that one of them? Like there was yeah. there was instances right the way back to the very start of this, this kind of humor cultural humor whatever it may be and it it, it certainly has sat awkward with us every single yeah. podcast and it we've was done. easier
0: like you know think it, the the fact that the graphics are getting better doesn't help in a way because these things within 8-bit form can be you <laughs> yeah. know it's easier to kind of gloss over the, the actual content because it's it's something so it's almost abstract whereas when you've got a sort of sort of fairly high definition uh yeah pubescent girl on your screen in her brown pants is like oh please it was
1: it, it was it, it was really awkward wasn 't it and I found it as yeah. I was saying how she was acting up until then you know she 's in the helicopter and she, the condensation she 's drawn the the c n d sign mm. you know and she 's all wistful looking she 's all innocent and you're like she represented the people you know the innocents the, the people who aren 't yeah, warmongers the ones in the exactly yeah. the ones like dying uh, dying for peace, the ones baying for it you mm-hmm. know who are really wanting a peaceful resolution to conflict. And she was so innocent and young and, and then Yeah, to like act all weird and then to see her it's just a wee skinny frame and and the way she runs is just so so infantile, you know, and it's yeah it's so awkward. It's so tactless. It's not even again for me if it was Ava or someone and it was kinda of reciprocated, she was a bit of a, a sexual predator herself, you know. Mm. She used that in, in three she she bedded Snake essentially and then and then Flew, flew the coop, you know. Before he'd woken up, she was a bit. She was sexually a strong, possessive character.
0: We've we've forgiven a certain amount of crassness from both Kojima and uh, Suda Fifty One, but I think this is the first time where I've rather than just feeling like it's a topic that we ought to raise because it's slightly dubious. This was the first time where I like. I really want to talk about this because this was a step too far.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's embarrassing. What you do if, if your if your partner had walked in on you, you know, when you were playing that mission. You'd feel as if you'd been caught with your trousers down, you know? Yeah. You'd be caught as if, oh my God, this is so
0: humiliating. I mean, my, my partner's very sort of blase about that stuff and um, she probably would have been kind of like, what the fuck are you playing? But um, but I think uh, other partners I've had in the past would not have been so <laughs> lenient. Oh, I, no, absolutely the same here, But I, I was meaning more, what, how
1: would you feel? As in how they can, how they would look at you playing that kind of game? How would you feel? Would you feel comfortable yeah. showing that? Mm. You wouldn't, you know, nah. so... Why? Why put it in
3: staffed?
0: So yeah, it's a great game, though. <laughs> but,
3: uh... <laughs> yeah, it's a bum it's a note to leave it on, but it, it's a it's a topic we all wanted to bring up in this show, and it's just this seemed to be the right place, even weirdly after yeah. the wrap. It's on. an
1: amazing game, but it's certainly not without low points, you know, no, the of no. missions uh, uh, and, and that extra up as well. But yeah, uh, it yeah. would be a shame to to think of those I, I things think, and not. Yeah, the, the, I think I think the, the, the
2: note depth. to leave it on, though, Paul, mm-hmm. is what you were saying that in what seemed to be otherwise completely sort of additional content, like the the data files and the briefing tapes, there is so much depth to be found to a character that doesn't necessarily have the chance to show that depth in the game. The fact that they put all that stuff in, that's what this game's about, that they put in the attention to detail and really thought about how to make a game that gives so much.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't need to people moan about sitting through the cutscenes, you know. Um, you don't need to do that. They're short cutscenes, but for those who do want the long cutscenes and all the information, the information's there for you. You just need to go rooting around.
0: Buried. Yeah. All right, then. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you can, of course, as ever, play along with us, Kane and Rince. Future featured games will include uh, the Rhythm Heaven series, Max Payne and its sequel, Max Payne 2, Super Brothers, Sword and Sorcery EP, uh, Darksiders, then Paul... Rooney will be back for Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. Uh, after that, we're doing Borderlands and uh, MCV stroke Game James Batchelor is going to join us for that one. And that will mark the end of Volume 1 of Kane and Rince. But we'll be back very soon after with Volume 2, starting with Mirror's Edge. Then our new series commences with Half-Life. Uh, following that, Asura's Wrath. Following that, the Cast of Illusion stroke Quackshot stroke World of Illusion trilogy all starring Mickey and or Donald. (laughs) Then it's Syndicate, this year's model. Uh, Then Half-Life 2. Then Cave Story, or Cave Story Plus, whichever one you want to play. Binary Domain, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, and a general Pac-Man... Retrospective with special guest Big Red Potions Sinan Kuba and official Nintendo magazine Sinan Kuba, we should say. Uh, Half-Life 2 episodes 1 and 2 get their own show. And then in December stroke January at some point, we will be playing Shenmue 1 and 2. Uh, I've had those games since they came out and I've not finished them. So that's a good thing. Will you be playing them on the Dreamcast? Yes, I will. Yes. It's the only way to play Shenmue 1 because it doesn't exist on anything else yet. HD version still strongly rumored. Uh, the month-by-month month schedule can be found on the blog. Jay Taylor is working hard on that, as well as the site generally. Massive thanks to Jay for everything he's been doing and editing this show. I'll shut up, Tony. And, of course, the blog can be found at
3: www.cananrince.com. There you can also find Quick Wins videos on the blog uh, and also go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at Kana Rince. We have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Kana Rince. And of course, you can email us
0: at KananRince at gmail.com. As ever, your support for the podcast via iTunes, subscriptions, reviews, and ratings massively appreciated. And our forum is at characterselect.net slash forum. It just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, James Carter, and special guest Silky Draws Tart, Paul Rooney of Ready Up. And here is whichever of the many epic or cheesy tunes that Jay has chosen to put at the end. See you next week. Oh.